Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of that galaxy and the center of our own galaxy, this is Four Center presents Other Center. I'm Ken Naps. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here to talk about, well, a deep dive into our own lives. What revelations will be revealed today? Did Jennifer and I go to the same donut shop growing up? We'll find out more (laughs) as we cover the topic of growing up 
80s. We're going to the heart of, well, a lot of the world's nostalgia and talking about growing up with that. We're going to get to all that in a second and a whole lot more. But first, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Things we did not have in the 80s. <laughs> a little bit later, of our Four Center recommends an audiobook we think you Yes, you should try out on us. We all have an, also have an ask. And Joseph, uh, what is that ask? You are the keeper of the ask today. <laughs> Thank you for the good enunciation. Yes, I am the keeper of the ask right now. Uh, had fun the last uh, couple of weeks uh, shooting for a, a number we're very far away from on YouTube. And that did <laughs> slow down the number of people who have stopped following us. <laughs> On YouTube, (laughs) which is fine. I might as well have a a sense of humor about it. We understand that a lot of the uh, people who uh, enjoy us on YouTube, there's some wonderful people there who have had some great comments about uh, Other Center and and engage there. So that's all good. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure when we get back to the other galaxy, things will turn around on all YouTube. So you know what? Back to Patreon. And this is actually, I'm very excited for this uh, because it is uh, a a new thing that is uh, rolling out of all the fun we're having on Other Center. So we had a Patreon mm-hmm. goal, do a uh, patron live stream that we later made public. And the topic of that was our favorite desserts. And in some mm-hmm. ways, after years of talking uh, about uh, a fictional galaxy, this was in maybe the most controversial episode where the three of us disagreed the most about different it desserts. Really was. But it was really fun <laughs> that we realized that all three of us had a favorite dessert that was physically located at the same shopping mall. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the Americana, uh, uh, the, the Grove, rather, uh, not the Americana the brand, yeah. the Grove with the farmer's market. So uh, we have a new Patreon goal is what it boils down to. Uh, at $2,300 a month, which we're uh, quite close to, uh, the three of us are going to take a field trip to the Grove where we can sample uh, one another's uh, desserts. We can get a cheesecake <laughs> at the Cheesecake Factory for Jennifer. We can get a donut at, I believe, Bob's Donuts in the Farmer's yeah. Market. And we can get a slice yeah. of cherry pie at Dupar's. Uh, I was really excited about this when, then when I realized that's actually going to be physically very hard to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tasty but upsetting. Uh, but mm. So we're, we're going to take a field trip. We'll take some photos, maybe little videos, but then we'll do a podcast episode about our field trip. So... Really yeah. having fun with Other Center, the different ideas that that come out of it, the different responses that we get uh, from our, our wonderful uh, listeners and friends about their favorite desserts. The dessert episode was really fun, so this just felt like a really fun extension of that to actually take mm-hmm. one of the field trips that we joke about taking. So at $2,300 a month, uh, we will take that field trip. So if you're interested in helping us out on Patreon, you can go to force, or patreon.com slash center. Uh, well done, well said, keeper of the ask. Indeed, I'm looking forward. See, I'm up to this challenge. Uh, do you have to? Do we have to finish the cheesecake and cherry pie donut, or is it just sampling? Yeah, I don't think we all have to get all three. I don't think you know <laughs> nine desserts have to be fully okay. consumed. I, I think there can okay. be some splitting going on. <laughs> I mean, all right, I'm I'm good either way. No, uh, this is wonderful. I uh, can't wait to do this. Uh, spent a lot of time there. About four years is where I worked there, so I, I love going over there. I don't mm-hmm. have to go there as much. So uh, there you go. That's a wonderful thing. Also, we want to update you on the YouTube side of things. Speaking of that, uh, we will have a cues of the other variety uh, live stream for all to enjoy this Friday. If you're listening this week, uh, that is uh, what is that? September 29th. Mm-hmm. I don't know time right now. Uh, 2 p.m. Pacific. We're going to sit down for a little bit, hanging out with all of you, taking your questions. 
uh, and just having a lot of fun trying to avoid heavy day drinking, at least on my <laughs> studio. So look for that. Link is up. Uh, we also want to have a bit of touch upon a bit of an update as uh, we are recording this on a uh, Monday morning, a holiday morning. Uh, we are, like all of you, excited to be learning and, and hearing more about this, uh, what we would say a tentative deal, but a pretty, uh, 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 safe to say, a deal struck between the AMTP, whatever, Bob Iger sweaters, <laughs> and the WGA. A, a deal uh, looks to be in place. It's going to go through some ratifying, some, some codifying, some voting, uh, some uh, some some fine-tooth combing uh, going over it, but it looks to be in place. Uh, we do want to just uh, say... Uh, Joseph, I'll bring you in here on this one that this is great news. We're excited. Uh, this still, though, kind of uh, keeps us out. We're waiting for SAG and SAG after to settle. Yes. Yeah. We're thrilled about this. This is great news for uh, the writers in the WGA, writers everywhere, and uh, everybody who is having a union battle right now. Like, you know, hey, people from Starbucks and auto workers, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so this is a, a worldwide thing. So we are uh, extremely, extremely happy about it. But yes are not talking about the galaxy far, far away is a, a particular ask slash instruction of SEGAFTRA, of which Jennifer is a member, uh, Ken is eligible to be a member, and I would like to be a member in the future. So we are following those SEGAFTRA rules, and uh, we won't be getting back to the galaxy far away until the SEG uh, strike is resolved. Yeah, and once that happens, and we hope that happens very soon, we will uh, return and return. We're, we're going to discuss how we return. It might just <laughs> not be us just suddenly screaming Star Wars at the top of our lungs. It, it might be uh-huh. uh, uh, finding the best way back, uh, especially with the current series going on, and we're watching that and processing that, and we're going we're gonna to get to all that. But we know a lot of you are excited, and uh, we appreciate not only your support of us, but support of the unions, especially in the Force Center Discord. I got to say, it's been wonderful to see all of you, not just getting behind the cause, but trying to understand the cause, asking questions about the causes and the strikes uh, and posting about it in our Force Center uh, um, channel, the actual actual Force Center chat channel. Yeah. It, and everyone joking, it's become Strike Center there. So it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> and a, a quick shout out to some people on social media, in particular in, in YouTube comments. We've definitely got some uh, heated negative comments that disagree with us, but there have been a lot of people who, who have just checked in. They haven't been listening or watching as much and said, hey, why aren't you talking? about Ahsoka and we've uh, you know let them know why and and uh, you know a lot of people have said oh that's that's a bummer but I understand and that's been really mm-hmm. great thank you for everyone who's done that yes absolutely I have a small note on that I, I have to be careful it's a good lesson into put put down that lightsaber and, <laughs> and just respond with kindness because sometimes I get a little pre-defensive and I'm like oh we've told you this 50 times and it, you know a salty response brings back a uh, a salty response and hurt feelings that aren't needed. And and so I, I have tried not to answer over coffee until my coffee's done. And you're all <laughs> so kind. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, I totally missed it. Yeah. Why did I think about that? Totally. Uh, and we appreciate that. Jen, any thoughts there? You you being a uh, SAG and in the heart of this, uh, how are you feeling about all this? I'm really happy, happy for my writers, friends who have, some people have really been struggling. And so this is wonderful, wonderful news that, Finally, there seems to be some movement, and I'm hopeful that SAG will be able to uh, to come to an agreement w- with uh, the studios soon, <laughs> so we yeah. can get get back. But you know, it's been this has actually been a great break um, mm. from talking about Star Wars. It's helped me get to know both of you uh, a lot better, mm. and and also all of you out there listening. And and oh my gosh, the yeah. chats have been so much fun seeing everyone's experiences and and mm. things besides Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
been wonderful. Wonderful. I'm still uh, still blown away about how uh, Jen and I nece- basically uh, grew up uh, in, in the same <laughs> neighborhood. Uh, and after last week's recording, I did uh, contact my dad and, and he gave me the address and I was looking the, around the old neighborhood. And uh, it was oh Jen right where I thought it was. It was right <laughs> there. We definitely ran into each other. So uh a lot of fun. Life Adventure time to catch up on that. And uh, yeah, a lot going on. Uh, Jen, uh, you're uh, home for the holiday right now as you record. But how's things going on your end? I can't really think of anything I did besides working on my my videos. Um, like I've mentioned here about the Lisa Frank video. It's finally mm. out. Um, and boy, it's been fascinating to see what people have to say about it. Some people <laughs> chiming in on the comments, specifically on TikTok, has really taken off. Um, people mm. who knew her, people who had a parent who worked for her. I oh, even wow. got somebody who messaged me anonymously. Well, no, they, they, they were not anonymous, but I'm keeping them anonymous. And basically, <laughs> they shared some interesting insight into kind of her, her state of mind, how paranoid she is. Wow. And I just I had to call my dad because I was like, Okay, so with an anonymous source, like how can I present this? And like how can I verify? And you know, there's a lot yeah. of ethics in journalism. Yeah. <laughs> so there used to be, like, yeah. Used yeah, to be, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was trying to he's like, Well, I don't know if you should put that. I'm like, Dad, everyone does it. Everyone does it. Yeah. And and I'm also yeah. I'm not, you know, a, a news source per se. So yeah. um, anyway, so that was really it was really interesting at 10 o'clock at night on, I think it was Friday night. I got that message. I was like, wow, this is what the news people deal with. <laughs> Ronan Farrow. <laughs> Did you get a, a video with a person in shadows and a, and a, a voice modulator? No, but I thought about that because I'm going to start working on another piece. And I actually know somebody who's connected to that person. And I was like, ooh, maybe I should put them like Dateline in the shadows mm-hmm. and change mm-hmm. her Dead voice. Lisa Frank in 1982. <laughs> I saw some things. <laughs> That's amazing. Look, you're really good at this stuff, Jeff. So I, 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 I encourage you to dig dig even deeper, uh, you know, uh, getting those sources and, and trench coats and parking lots and emerge from the shadows and and – this will be good. This is this is wonderful. Yeah, so I watched uh, uh, your, your your clips there on, on the Instagram side of things, but uh, yeah, t- that seems like the thing for TikTok. Oh yeah, I, so- I sounded about ninety when I said that, but yes, it seems like it's built for that. Yeah, mm. it's amazing. All the different audiences on each platform, mm. and r- there's a large audience of people of our generation and also younger, obviously, mm-hmm. who are on TikTok and who are like, oh, I've had that. I remember that which is very fitting mm. for our topic today. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, I'm like you, Jen. I'm kind of trying to remember what I did this past week. And I, <laughs> I don't think I was too excited. Just just work and got to go to an engagement party. Our, our, our friend of the show, Christian Ruvacamba, and his uh, fiance Amber, celebrating their engagement with their family. We got to drive on down to the heart of the in- in- Inland Empire for that. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun just to get out of the house and disconnect from work and disconnect from all these things and disconnect mm-hmm. from all the pop culture conversations and just sit, uh, sit amongst friends, uh, uh and eat, uh, uh, tacos made right there in front of us, which was a dream for me. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, I'll wow. take it. I'll take it. And you know what? I even, I've been trying to inspired by, uh, our, our own Joseph Scrimshaw here. I've been trying to make time to read. That's kind of mm-hmm. been the, the impetus of it. Joseph, you, you said you were like, I'm going to start my day as best I can. Uh, you know, sitting down and reading for a little bit. I've been trying to do that. And it's not always turned out for me. It's not always reading, um, but not rushing into the day, just like taking an admin 
coffee. <laughs> like just to spend some time with myself. Like, what do I want to accomplish today? What am I working on on overall? And and uh, I got some things coming out and, and things I'm working on. But just really focus and not uh, just. I don't know. It's been it's been working. So whatever you inspired me. Working <laughs> well, just, good. Thank. Thank you. I am trying to read more. So uh, hopefully you had uh, life adventures that uh, were a little more productive. Nope. I think we are. (laughs) (laughs) We are even this week. I think uh, one of the biggest things I did this week was I I saw Jennifer's uh, Lisa Frank uh, part one video. And uh, I have been procrastinating because I've got some tasks that uh, that I I like. Hey, I need to do them, but I'm I'm not, uh, you know, not (laughs) their work. Uh, and I was like, hey, this is actually, instead of the, you know, doom scrolling, this is a productive way I can procrastinate. So I went and found the other pieces. So uh, thank you uh, for helping me procrastinate, Jen. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, no, I just, uh, the, uh, this has been a good week to just, um, to fight uh, uh, the dark side, to talk about the themes of that uh, that galaxy far, far away. Well, we always talk about, like, uh, the, the stories that tend to inspire us are the ones where, uh, people are having a hard time, but they they find their way back to hope any anyway. And uh, it, it not just life, career, everything uh, that one tries to stay positive and hopeful about has just been frustrating uh, this week. So the the other uh, really fun moment, and this is kind of a joke and a little bit of a dark joke, which eh, makes sense for us. We're going to talk about the eighties. Uh, one of the things that's been really annoying is. Um, it just everything I'm trying to do is just it's just grinding right now. It's just the mm. the slow and the weight. I'm I'm working on on losing a little bit of weight and I, I'm taking walks every day and I'm trying to change my diet and, and I feel better, uh, but I'm not losing mm. any weight. And it's just mm. it's it's maddening. Um and then one of the other things that's going on is I, I need to back up the drives that have all of my film files on them, which are gigantic. Mm. And they've yeah. been backing up for a month. Oh my gosh. Um, and they and the files are so large, just the little backup alert will be like, We're moving this one file out of, you know, whatever, two million. And it'll just be moving that file for like three days. And like, are you? Yeah. Are you you're like and there was one day that suddenly uh it got through one of the big files and then the numbers on on the number of files left were just speeding by. And I was so mm. happy to see anything just move the f forward mm. <laughs> i just sat here mm. <laughs> watching uh the backup file numbers uh count down for a while and that was that was a highlight of my week oh my gosh <laughs> that's you know <laughs> we'll, we'll we're moving this file we'll see you in a week we'll let you know when it's done exactly so exactly mm. so that was good well, you know, we hope you find the the hope there, Joseph. Uh, can you find it in the eighties? <laughs> yeah. We'll 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 find out. Yeah, that was. Um, this will be very interesting because I think there are, there are obviously in any uh, cultural period great things and fun things, and, and the three of us are, I think are going to have uh, you know a relationship to it because it's our childhood, and we always gravitate towards things to our childhood. Mm. But then putting putting this talk together about the eighties, uh, some of what I want to rank with is the reality of the eighties. Not mm. the stranger things of the 80s, but <laughs> the reality of it. So I think there'll definitely be some uh, fun stuff uh, and some wrestling with the darker stuff this episode. Mm. I think so. I think so. Well, uh, without further ado, we're going to dive into this conversation. Joseph leading us through growing up in the 80s. Um, love the title of growing up 80s because that's, I think, even more accurate. 
We are Eddie's. <laughs> yeah, I think I meant that as a placeholder title and I uh, didn't go back to it. Anyway, uh, so uh, part of the reason that we wanted to have this conversation is is when we do talk about the galaxy far, far away, our age comes up often uh, mm. because I think, uh, as we discussed, what you see first affects uh, what you like and what your perceptions are of what it should be like and all that kind of thing. Um, and it's mm. been one of the great gifts of doing this podcast is to get to hear people from different ages and different countries and when they were introduced to it and how that affects how they love it. Uh, but, you know, hey, there's it's more than just uh, pop culture that <laughs> when we're born mm. affects our life experiences, you know, get affected uh, so much by how we see and interact with the world. So we wanted to unpack a little bit beyond just the galaxy far, far away, what growing up in the 80s uh, did to us, good, bad, and otherwise. So, uh, Ken, uh, let's start with you. Mm. I just want to get uh, a, a picture. When, when you mm. imagine being a kid in the 1980s, what are like one or two main images that pop to mind? And are they realistic or are they uh, blurry from nostalgia? They're They're dreamy. They're, they're dreamy. It, it, it's it's the street that I lived on. It's the backyard that I played in. Uh, it's the blue Subaru station wagon we had. Uh, it is uh, cartoons interrupted by breaking news. Uh, I was terrified of the breaking news uh, intros that would happen. That's how you'd get your news. And my mom and, and my mom had a lot of fear of that. Mm. <laughs> like she. So I'd be watching He-Man and be like, breaking news from Chicago. And, and my mom would be like, <gasps> like literally would have that <laughs> action. And so that's just kind of the, the image in, in, uh, of it. And I, and I love, I always say this, it all feels real in your mind, right? You, you lived it. You, you, you're looking out of your, your, your eyes. You're looking out of your skull. And so you don't feel how young you are in your, in your dreams. But you look at the pictures and you're like, oh, God, those cars. <laughs> look at those cars. <laughs> the cars are the thing that make it uh, all, all uh, blurry and nostalgic. So that's kind of the images. And, and, and we're going to get into some of the details of it there. It is, um, it's a good time. It's a bad time. It's all of it. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just remember those images. Yeah. No, it's, uh, the image of those giant uh, cars, they're around the 70s and in the 80s, mm-hmm. but, you know, 80s was the last uh, gasp of them. And when it took that walk to the Hollywood sign, the Griffith Park has a, like, only official vehicles from this point on in their, like, little cartoon picture is just, it's a Ford Fairmont. It's a car from the, <laughs> <laughs> car from the 80s. So it literally looks like yeah. only 80s yeah. cars can drive up to the Hollywood sign. Uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer, how about you? What images uh, pop to mind in, in our are they specific realistic moments or is it kind of a blurry nostalgia uh, collage? They're very specific, primarily because my mom still lives in the house that I grew up in. Mm. She also, we've been cleaning out her house and she still mm. had so much of my stuff. I feel terrible. I've been, I've gotten rid of so many of my kids um, things because she held on to everything. I'm staring at my Cabbage Patch Kids mm. lunch pail um, <laughs> that I brought back. So it's it's really it feels very real. And when I think about that time period, uh, it really um, like I remember our TV room that we used to have, and my dad was really into like tech stuff and always having the latest things. So we had an Atari, of course, we had the NES. Um, there was always family over during that period of time. Mm. It just was there was. There, I look back on it fondly now, mm. but I know at the, the time period it was not necessarily the best, which we'll, we'll go into. But yeah, it's uh, I also have a lot of photographs from that time because my dad was a photographer on the side. Mm. So mm. I, in fact, I found an old photo album uh, recently. I was like, oh, my gosh, showing my kids are like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> OK, Whatever, 
yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's very clear. Yeah. Your dad sounds so cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> journalist, photographer. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think when we'll get into it more, I, I think it, it's good to accept that we have good memories, even in the darkest times. We should. I'm glad that, you know, mm. our childhoods were not just uh, the horror of the breaking news, but we also had some He-Man along the way. Um, mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. those were the two images that popped to my mind is one was a kind of a, a, a darker one and one was the 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 happy and the part that makes me go oh the 80s so the the sad one which i know is covered uh, colored by nostalgia because the timing doesn't actually work so somewhere in there my memory is is wired incorrectly mm. but here's my memory it doesn't actually work out timeline wise but my memory is i was so sad that there was no doctor who merch when i got into doctor who the Every once in a while, you could find a, a book, a novelization of Doctor Who. But for the most part, there was nothing else here. And I thought it'd be really cool to have a Doctor Who board game. So I spent all day trying to like draw and create a Doctor Who board game. And then at the end of the day, I realized that I had no idea how to make it actually a game. So I had just mm. drawn a whole thing where like <laughs> you roll dice and then you walk forward and like... <laughs> You need something else. Okay. I don't know. So, uh, But the reason I had made the Doctor Who board game is because I needed to do something to take my mind uh, off the television movie the day after. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, oh, I remember that one. Right? I remember that. Yeah. It's the yes. whole like, this is what it's going to be like in the nuclear oh, holocaust. Shit. So like, that's, yes. my, that's my wow. memory. But then I looked it up and the day after actually came out earlier. So it. Mm, so I've, mm. I've combined two memories. I must have saw some other horrific, this is what nuclear holocaust <laughs> thing would be oh, like. No. And in my memory, mm. it's the day after. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And I actually, I did look up, I looked up day after to make sure that my, my memory was correct. And I was like, oh, it's not. It's a year off. Because uh, mm. I didn't start watching Doctor Who until a year after the day after it came out. So I did see something else. But one of the details in the day after is that I didn't remember from watching it is apparently at the end of the broadcast, they had a warning that like, just so you know, we softened it up. An actual nuclear <laughs> holocaust would be way worse. <laughs> way worse. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> to just drive it home. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That, so then, go, ahead, a, go ahead, Ken. Mm. That's that's the 80s in a nutshell. So anyways, I was making my own board game for this thing I loved to try to distract me from the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> yep, that's the that's the sad version. The happy version really is uh, right about 1982. A bunch of memories converge of eating at a pizza parlor, playing a, a, a Miss Pac-Man video game while yes. the stray cat strut plays on the radio in the background. Like that's mm. like the aww. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's some snapshots of our life in the 80s. Now we're going to get up, uh, get into a little bit of maybe what uh, shaped us, what we were aware of when we were kids, what we weren't aware of. And I'm just uh, going for the jugular here of oh. some of the hard stuff that we that we grew up around and to talk about mm-hmm. that. So uh, our generation obviously grew up in the in the end of the, the Cold War, uh, both the end and I think in some ways the height of, of part of it. Uh, I think it was a time of a lot of paranoia and fear, as uh, Ken's He-Man memory <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, really illustrates well. Uh, there was a lot of discussion and uh, upsetting TV shows like The Day After about nuclear uh, apocalypse and discussion of that was a very real possibility. That was the the fear with the nuclear arms race. Uh, there was an actual higher crime rate in America at the time. That was There was a lot of fear uh, around that. 
of fear mongering around that, but it was actually a truth as well uh, by mm-hmm. crime rates. Uh, there was something that wasn't true. It was an urban legend of uh, candy with razor blades in it, but it became mm-hmm. a very real concern and Halloween destroyer for a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> yes. Also not real. Uh, Satan, sadly, uh, does not speak through Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I insert an opinion there. I apologize. But, uh, but there was this like, satanic panic over Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there was, uh, again, bouncing back and forth between the real and the paranoid, there was the very, very real horror of the AIDS epidemic, the extremely slow response to it. Um, and, and that AIDS epi- uh, epidemic was, was happening pretty much as our general generation was entering puberty. Um, so I, I think every generation could probably come up with a list like, like this of some of the, you know, really difficult and scary things that were going on is they, is they grew up, but, uh, those are our burdens to bear. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to start with, uh, with how we were all affected by that growing up, how much we were aware of it and how we think it maybe made an impact on us. Jen, how much were you aware of some of these fears, both real and, uh, urban myth and, and how did they affect you? I was exposed to all of it. My parents never shielded me (laughs) because my mom was scared of everything and thought the Mm. world was a very scary and dangerous place um, because she grew up in extreme poverty. So she had witnessed a lot of awful things in her childhood. Um, My dad, reporter, as we've mentioned, so he really just was like, yeah, this is what happened today, the murder trial. So um, I also grew up religious, as we've talked about. Um, so everything was terrifying. Halloween, we could, we really couldn't celebrate because my mom thought that the, you know, the razor blades and the candy or that there were predators who were going to snatch us or that there were devil worshipers roaming the streets on Halloween. Um, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but here's the thing. Which- I'm sure there were, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. But here's the thing that, that I find but They were probably just that, like, smoking really bad weed and having a good time. <laughs> yeah. My husband is a little bit older and he grew up, obviously, same time period. He mm. never experienced any of this. So I really do think it's how your mm. parents were like as a mm. kid. Like his parents were not religious. Um, mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. One was a psychoanalyst, like very um, logical about things and- I don't know. He just, ha- he has n- no memory of that. So mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. do think it also does depend on how paranoid your, your parents were. <laughs> yeah. They, they, you are spitting some truth <sighs> there, Jennifer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Ken, how about you? Right there with you again, Jen. And yeah, I, I had some of those friends who were like that, uh, who were like uh, how your husband was, was raised where they're kind of like, had the yeah that don't worry about it you you know type of type of attitude and I considered them the the older wiser more worldly kids uh, which is why I was yes. supposed to stay away from them yes, um, yes. this is a great list Joseph uh, first of all like a fifth season of a nostalgia based show about kids and their strange adventures this is a wonderful <laughs> collection of it and stuff that we've talked about before reference I have a, a stand up bit about satanic pan- panic stuff you do as well you have mm-hmm. some references there as well. Um, and, and it's fascinating to have you all have you put this down the list because again there, there's some real concerns here and and I don't uh, I always, you know I, I I come at uh, my upbringing a little hard sometimes with the either the religious influences or just some of the paranoia my parents i.e my mother was was um, and, and and you know it, it, it's not always fair of me there there were some things and I like in, in I, you know, I believe crime is a real thing it's how you 
get to there and how you deal with it and how you monger off of it mm-hmm. is, is part of the bigger conversation. But all the stuff you're saying, I was very aware of all of it, but shielded from some of it, like the cold war, I didn't really fully understand. I, I experienced it directly in some ways as a kid of quote, Russian descent, a uh, half Russian mm-hmm. descent. Um, but I didn't understand it until like the wall came down in what 89, 90 range. Yeah. And then it was like, Oh, does, what's ending? <laughs> like what, what was I growing up in? Um, but, but the other stuff was there. Um, the, the, I was not allowed to trick or treat. I was not allowed to uh, play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the, the AIDS ep- epidemic is weird because that filtered down to me um, based on, how, how do I say this uh, uh, carefully, but like, uh, uh, well, it's just, there was rampant homophobia attached to mm-hmm. it. Yes. And that filtered down to me that way where I remember, um, you know, um, I'd go to my comic shop and the kid working there, who knows, 16, 17, I think it was his dad's comic shop. And my mom would let me go in there. And then one day my mom noticed he had a, had an earring on and um, she went in and confronted him with me there and, and mm. was like, why do you have an earring on? I hear if it's on the left, it means this, mm. uh, or, or if, if it's right, you, you're, you're, you're gay. And, and, and I don't know if I want you around my son type of thing. And, and, mm. and, you know, I don't know. If, and by the way, I don't know if my mom would do that now to be mm. fair to her. Um, but I just remember that. And, and that was kind of that, that's how that trickled down to me. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. And, and how it was viewed as this, this d- disease, this, this plague sent down to, to punish the, the gay community. Right. Ugh. It's kind of filtered down to me. And, and, and that was, that's some of my memories of it and, and being afraid and, 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 you know, not knowing it. And, and I think they did a disservice. I understand. I don't fault any parent for being protective of their children. I'm, prote- I'm protective of my chihuahuas, right? <laughs> like, come on. Um, I don't go in my backyard uh, and let them roam alone for fear of hawks, which is a less than a 1.0.1% chance that a hawk's going to come to Burbank and take my duck. So I get it. I get it. I don't fault them for it. It's just the reality of it. I, but I think it was a disservice because I didn't understand any of this stuff. Yeah. So what you're, you're being afraid of the day after, I remember that. I, did, I wasn't allowed to watch that. I wasn't allowed to watch V or any of that stuff. Hmm. Um, v was it's okay. great. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind if a parent says, yeah, maybe uh, adult themes for kids. I, that's not a problem. But I didn't understand all that stuff, right? And, and that, that bred fears in myself and misunderstandings of it. Yeah. Oh, you, you both are saying really insightful things that I think are helping me uh, process uh, my childhood because I think there's a lot of stuff in here to be frightened of. In nuclear apocalypse was an actual uh, risk with with mm-hmm. you know yeah. the the human condition and the arms race and uh, the the nature, in my opinion, of of who is in office and needing to always project strength above all else kind mm-hmm. of uh, of philosophy. Um, yeah. You know, the AIDS epidemic very real uh, and and very mm-hmm. frightening. Um, but I think what I took even more damage from is the way that the fear mongering affected my parents. Mm. Um, cause I think there was such a, there was a change in them. A, they were extremely young parents, uh, very young. They were 19 when they had my brother and like 22 wow. when they had me. It's in, mm. insanely young parents. And like almost every year I get older, it, it's more insane to me when I realize <laughs> how young, uh, my parents were. Uh, so they were adventurous and uh and very liberal young and i think all of those traits were good and happy and then they retreated and they retreated and and i think the mm. the fear-mongering of of news and of other parents really really got to them 
Um, mm. And so the world became more fearful it, through their eyes and my world became more and more limited, you know? Mm-hmm. So all these things sort of manifested in what is going to be taken away from me of, oh, I can't have Halloween anymore. Um, I'm mm-hmm. too young to have sex, but I guess I never can, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, was yeah, the yeah. sort of the, the, the fear uh, of that. And I think that that there was also, and Ken, you've talked about this too, there was also in the 80s in particular, there was a revisionist history about the 50s. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. about how how you didn't have any of these problems then. And yes, there was a higher crime rate and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents had grown up in a small town in Brainerd, Minnesota. So they really had a lot of those, like, you didn't need to lock your doors. You didn't have this problem. Yeah. You didn't have that problem. And like, and you get, you know, older and you real, read like real history. And like, you had all sorts of these problems, you know, right. yeah. you just are feel you, you're just romanticizing this past that's making the present seem even more frightening. Uh, and more to be pulled away from. I think the the other big way that all of this uh, affected me is I think I had so many adults and teachers and, and broadcasters who say, you know, we we might not make it out of the nuclear, you know, Holocaust, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah. AIDS could be an epidemic that if it's not contained is is the end of humanity. That I I think I was a strangely hopeful child but I just kind of had that buried in the back of my mind of like, <laughs> probably not going to make it mm. so that yeah. by yeah. the time the world seemed to, to, from my perspective, take a turn in, in the nineties of um, things getting marginally better and the crime rate going mm. down, the Berlin wall coming down that I disconnected a little bit from politics and from issues. Cause it kind of just felt like, eh, that's the world. The world says everything's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel bad that I didn't pay more attention because I just kind of had a like, eh, they all tried to yeah. scare me when I was growing up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel bad that I, I disengaged as much as I did from, from issues of the day. And it's so enlightening to hear, you know, people who grew up in the nineties and grew up in the two thousands talk about all the, the really bad things that they experienced. Uh, and I feel mm-hmm. bad from my mm-hmm. perspective that like, <laughs> uh, there wasn't a nuclear Holocaust. Uh, everything's fine. Hmm. we won yeah there's like hey yeah. we won we're good yeah yeah <laughs> and, you're, and you're hitting 18 19 20 you're starting your life and you're like ah, i got through all that yep yeah yep yep so yeah i think uh maybe that's a, a cautionary tale of for myself of you get you get too obsessed with the challenges of your generation that mm. you don't have respect for the challenges that other generations are facing mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh point. Spiraling out from that, uh, Jennifer, it sounds like you were very aware of politics because of the nature of what your your father did um, mm-hmm. as a journalist. Did your parents, was it just kind of in the air or did your parents make an effort to talk to you about issues and let you know uh, specific politicians or, or uh, ideas that they supported? Not so much. I mean, they just would wildly share their opinions about things. I mean, I knew, like, I remember we had a jar of jelly beans that had Reagan's face on them. I guess my dad had gone to an event <laughs> and they had passed out these these jars of jelly beans. And I was like, oh, this Reagan guy's okay. He's good. <laughs> I, I kind of want those, though, now. I would love those now. I that know, right? <laughs> so bizarre. Um. So, and I remember, like, th- they had kind of positive and then that's when things started to shift a little bit and my parents started 
to be talk about politics in a much more negative way and and who was going to help the you know the quote unquote minorities mm-hmm. who was going to help the educators because my mom was a teacher and later on a principal mm. and so things really started to get very heated especially by the by 2000s um Mm-hmm. Where you know the second Bush with no child left behind. Mm-hmm. Ooh, my mom still to this day. If you get her started on that, oh man, <laughs> it will go off about how horrible that was for for her school and her teachers. And mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, yeah, it was very much. But not. But my parents didn't talk to me like like my husband's parents, who were very much like had adult conversations. You know, and here's here are the issues that people are facing. Like, no, my parents were just like, ah, this person is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I, I think um, I remember my mom in specific uh, it, it is one of the best things she did for me is very early in, uh, in my life. Um, uh talking about things from a moral perspective and and then they kind of attached to political issues they didn't you know sit down and go this mm. bill is trying to be passed you know um mm. but uh i remember very early on um talking about race and how everybody is is you know um there's no reason to, for anybody to hate anybody based on what they look like kind of value mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh i remember um uh, uh, Gone with the Wind was on television, and and with commercials, it must have lasted eight weeks. That's a long movie. I have no <laughs> idea. Maybe it's broken up over a couple couple nights. Um, and I, I was you know a huge fan of that other galaxy. And I remember at the beginning of the movie asking my mom who's the good guys and the bad guys, and um, you know, <laughs> my mom really could have just answered the South, uh, <laughs> based on, on what war it was. But she got very concerned. That was one of her concern moments of Star Wars. And it's just like, you know, even when people fight, it's, you know, we should try to avoid wars. You know, humans mm-hmm. are human. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans okay. are all human. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if she would have said that if you're watching some World War II thing or, you know, I don't know. In, in, right, 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 I used right. to have a, this is a happy memory. The fact that it's gone with wind is now a complicated memory. But the the <laughs> point is I was very that was instilled in me so early to not just kind of hate people based on a label, uh, that the demonization of the Soviet union, that was everywhere. The idea that they were Mm -hmm. the evil empire, the idea that other kids would fantasize about, you know, on the playground about there are Russians over the hill and I have my machine gun and I kill them all. You know, that is one of the biggest things I remember. And, and from my child's eyes, why I didn't like Reagan, uh, the jelly bean Mm -hmm. man because he wanted me to hate a group of people that I'd never met because they were from a different country and had to do what their mm-hmm. leader said, just like I did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the biggest things uh, for me. The other sort of political thing was uh, uh, I learned a lot from comic books. I learned big words from comic books and I learned uh, economics. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I understanding uh, I I understand historically by a bunch of numbers technically Reagan's economy was was good but you know uh from my perspective uh, there was massive inflation a comic book was 40 cents in 1980 and it was a dollar by 1990 um mm. and I saw that and understood that as a kid and you know, now as an adult you know the the whole idea of trickle down economics um we've just had these massive strikes to say could you please trickle down a tiny bit uh, yeah uh, bank deregulation, oil deregulation, you know, a, a lot of the financial problems we have now were, were 
and, and um, uh, uh, climate crisis were all uh, started mm -hmm. then. So, but but from from my eyes, it was the wanting me to hate other people. And uh, final thing, I want to kick it kick it to you, Ken. Is there was also a little bit of uh, almost funny in, uh, from from history's perspective, uh, Mondale running against mm -hmm. Reagan. Mm -hmm. Uh, 84 mm -hmm. my parents were all for mondale um he's from minnesota minnesota is the only state <laughs> that he won and i remember my parents That's being right. really upset waiting for the returns to come back and i remember i was going upstairs to bed and i was like but wake me if it turns around mondale could still win right and they were like no he can't he can't <laughs> like i thought it's supposed to be hopeful and that if you fight hard you can turn things around like he can't it's over <laughs> and you know as a kid i didn't I didn't understand the electoral yeah. college or whatever until many years later. But I remember being yeah. like, maybe Mondale can pull it out at the last minute. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't understand the electoral college. So, you know, <laughs> come on. So what was Plus, your, you know. what, what was your, um, you've talked a lot about some of the, the religious and cultural ramifications of, of your parents' perspective, but did they talk to you about politics? Did they tell you like, we're, we vote for this person and here's why? I, I have no memory of them sitting down or addressing it or, or saying, hey, that's the, the way. But it was very clear about what way. Right. I have um, in terms of memories and policy. Eighty four um, Mondale Ferraro versus Reagan and Bush. I remember that. I remember having conversations with my friends about it. I do. Do you like the president? Like, I remember that kind of stuff. Um, I remember um, vague memories, but remember Reagan's assassination attempt. I remember the news reports that night. So it's like I was aware that those kind of things existed, right? That there was, there was leaders that we had and we voted for, but I was, um, but this, this goes on to, to last couple of years. I, I am what I would, I guess you would call a, 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 a legacy Republican, right? Yeah. I was Republican because that was, that was what we were mm -hmm. and just didn't think to question it. And, 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 um, as you grow up, kind of like what you're saying in, in the last round, uh, Joseph there of, of like, Hey, yeah, yeah, we got through the eighties and I'm good. And when things don't affect you directly, we have a tendency to, not dig in. It's just mm -hmm. downside of human nature. And so it wasn't until the last four or five years where I've gone through this dramatic shift. And that was the single biggest fight point with my mother in the last couple of years where I, I was like, I, I couldn't believe she couldn't figure it out, but she was like, she just bluntly said like, wait, so wait, 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 you're, you're not going to, you're not going to vote for DeSantis. <laughs> and mm. I said, mom, I will never vote mm. for Republican again. And she lit, much like the breaking news logo. <laughs> and that's been, we're trying to repair it and it's my folks and I love them, but we're trying to repair a relationship from that moment because mm. it's, she is, says you are, you have rejected me mm. um, and everything I taught you to be. And it's like, it's all, so it's all tied together. And then I don't want to get too deep into it, but yeah, the fifties, the moral panic of the fifties leads to this and that and Goldwater Republicanism. And then leads to the, the, the satanic panic of the eighties. It's all a fine tapestry. And, um, and, and so it was just, I just didn't have a, there was no question. There was no um, talk of other points of view. It was just, this is, this is what we do. We are under attack. That, that was, that was it. We, we, not, not from the Russians, uh, but like, um, you know, I was, I was part of the, you know, you're in that church and, 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 and it's almost like the table is, is spiritually taught, tipped over and you have a shotgun at the door where they, everyone's coming after us. That's why Satan's in Dungeons and Dragons and he's in the apples, uh, the kids that we are, we are 
we are persecuted under attack. Mm. And and this is, this is people like Reagan will, will get us through it. Right. Mm. And I, but I'm not super aware of it. Now I have the, the, the magnifying glass of, of history and time to look closer at it. But that just, so it was all there for me. It was all just like that. This is, this is our team. And, and, and it has to be our, this is the only way. And, and, and look, there's always room for nuanced conversations about this and that. And, and you're right. Some of the stats of the eighties, it, it felt good. It was good, but man, history showed that it, it actually didn't work. And it, mm-hmm. But, but, but we're still, you know, we're still untangling all that. And I think they, uh, they, that generation, my, my parents are, um, yeah, they're, they're not, they don't want to untangle it. My, my dad's, you know, I grew up also, by the way, um, my dad, it was a very quiet, stoic man. He's, he's an old school Circassian Ukrainian. Um, uh, he, they almost didn't put me into school. Mm. They almost didn't register for me for first grade and kindergarten because my dad was like, what's the point? God's coming back like next year. Wow. And, and so there was just, I had no choice in this stuff. It was yeah. my legacy, but mm-hmm. I was aware of it and I was aware of the elections. And I remember I had a friend, uh, my, my two close friends, Eric and Nathan, and I go to their house and they're there. They were from my church, but eventually they all left. The parents left. They were the first people I knew that left the church. And I was like, see you in hell, I guess. Like, how, how could you? <laughs> um, oh my gosh. But they, they were the first ones I remember in like the 88 and maybe the 92 election. By then I wasn't hanging out with them, but definitely the 88 election. It was like. You know, not, not that, uh, you know, they all love Dukakis, but it was just like, and I couldn't, they were talking about the Democratic candidates and I couldn't comprehend that my friend's parents thought even for a second to vote for the other side. Like it was weird to me. Yeah. And it was really ingrained <laughs> in you is, is teams and sides rather than teams and sides, which policies do we believe in and what will they actually do? Yeah, I, this is a conversation. I, I feel like I was picking on my mother. I apologize, mom. But like we had a conversation a month ago. We were just talking about uh, things and our conversations are getting better and more productive. But uh, somehow uh, Hitler came up, right? And, and th- there's a lot of things horrible about that uh, absolutely horrendous uh, character in pop culture history or whatever you want to say, the real world. The number one thing on her list is she said this and I'm quoting, and he was a full-on socialist. And... <laughs> there's dark humor to be found in that right like of all the things that's number one on your list yeah and i'm gonna you know and also let's let's really examine that and see if it's true yes 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 and and you're correct there anyways i'll have my rent there i i feel bad but it's like that that is all tied to to growing up with that that is all it was like this is the only way that we are going to survive is if we vote this way Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's really important because I think, you know, what we're we're trying to break down how we were affected by the 80s. And I think mm-hmm. what you're talking about is is fear. Um, mm-hmm. And that that seems to be a recurring theme of of how to, you know, how do different people, uh, powerful groups want to use fear to yeah. motivate you to support them and how are individuals susceptible to that fear and is that fear of something real that needs to be dealt with that's sad or is it sometimes fear of something that isn't even there uh, that, yeah. you know, the, some of that persecution stuff it, it, from the reading that I've done, it was extremely calculated to marry one party to the fear of, of a religion being persecuted it was mm. a choice in active campaign yeah. to make you yeah. not look at, does trickle down economics work? <laughs> well, where, where's yeah. the trickling? Well, don't pay attention to that. Pay attention of how the ambiguous they are coming for you. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and to clarify too, like my final thought here on that, this section is like too, it's like you know, going to church or having a spiritual side or or, or just straight up being, you know, um, believing this and that. I, I I I I don't have a problem with it. I get the value of it, but it's how it's used, and it's and it, can you untangle from those kind of deeper connections that that are are harmful and hurtful, and understand that, or understand that other people experienced it. I had a relatively easy childhood in the church as a, uh, a little white boy from the suburbs mm-hmm. that was not shared by everyone else. Not even in my church, not by you, Jen, probably like, and, and, and at one point having to realize that, well, that was certainly my journey, not mm-hmm. everyone's journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jen, I want to ask you something about, about your parents. Um, my, I believe my mother continued to, to always uh, vote a certain way. But both of my parents got more conservative as the as the fear got to them. And, and in particular, uh, because they started out so much in the generation of, you know, hippies and free thinking and anti-establishment. Like when I was a teen, my mom got both my brother and I these uh, buttons that said question authority. Um, no. And then in like a, like a, a year later, she was like, oh, damn, I'm the authority. Because in her mind, <laughs> everything she was... Uh, you know, the brave anti-authority. But then when she wanted to control us more, frankly, she's like, oh, no. <laughs> so there was like this sort of um, personal level, but also getting older, getting affected by fear, slight uh, shift to not even necessarily voting conservative, but a little bit more of a conservative mindset. Did that happen to your parents at all? Did they have any sort of conservative shift? Um, yeah, they did. My my mom, not so much. My dad, more so. He became he has become more conservative with age. I think the seeds were always there. Um, and my mom, like I said, being an educator, like she was very much very pro Democrat, very mm-hmm. um, and she still is today. Um, my dad is <laughs> not so much. And that, that created a lot of, uh, strife. I mean, they divorced, so mm. th- that became, that became a thing. My mom would yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go down that road. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but it just became, yeah, it was really, it still is really hard. Like mm-hmm. I, to, to talk with him about certain things. I'm like, what? But, but I will say, despite or in spite of his politics, he, because of his job, like he always has presented both sides and mm. is very much always trying to present both sides, even in our discussion. So I, I respect that, but it, it is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Uh, we, yeah, we could dig even deeper in that, but, uh, we, um, <laughs> I thought we were just going to talk about Smurfs. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's, a it's really, it's growing up eighties. You guys remember Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, going to pop culture, um, uh, our generation did gravitate toward a lot of, uh, dark edgy stories with, uh, grim anti-heroes and movies and comic books and, and all sorts of uh, things like that. And I think in the nineties and two thousands, when, when our generation was really responding to a lot of things, you know, uh, I think it's a part of what we talk about why 1999, a lot of our generation was real grumpy about the, mm-hmm. the, uh, fish man, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but really loved the matrix where they wore dark trench coats and kicked ass. Um, Jen, d- did you gravitate towards, um, edgy stories and anti-heroes uh, was that a part of your experience of growing up in the 80s very much so i think earlier in my childhood i was drawn to like happy days i love lucy which i feel like in this 
the 70s, there was a lot of looking back, right? Mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. 50s and mm-hmm. because of all the atrocities that were happening and and uh, mm-hmm. but the great movements that were also happening in the 70s, there was so much going on. Um, so I think that, that that kind of content helped that generation. But for our generation, things really started to shift. And I got to a point where I didn't want to watch that kind of stuff because it didn't fit how I was feeling. Mm. Um, so, you know, especially as a teenager, that's really when I got into like Winona Ryder and Heather's every Christian Slater movie, um, <laughs> tough women, you know, Linda Hamilton, yeah. in, uh, she's not an anti-hero, but uh, Linda Hamilton and the Terminator, mm-hmm. um, Bridget Fonda, no point of no return. It was, it was about feeling like this catharsis mm. that these people were able to do and say what I was not able to do and say. Mm. And, um, mm. but I don't know about for our gener- generation. I just remember like Janine Garofalo kind of mm-hmm. embodying uh, like mm-hmm. a sentiment mm-hmm. of our generation, yes. right? Yeah. Reality mm-hmm. Bites, fantastic movie, still one of my favorites today. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that, just even the grunge music, like there just was so much. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say as a generation, but I can certainly say from my own experience how that stuff really, it really helped me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I, I think you're on the nose in, in, in my opinion, and it's great to hear the, the kind of specific shows and things you gravitated toward, you know, for me, it was, it was a little bit of the music being more angry, um, you know, with Guns N' Roses and I like Metallica. There's, I didn't, there's some other stuff I didn't, I didn't like, but you know, anger uh being really present in mm-hmm. music in comic books the you know wolverine being this just huge explosion of like like he's a superhero but he drinks beer and he gets mad and cuts people with his claws it was like at the time i was like so like what and then you know uh dark knight and watchmen and watchmen is a comic book that is about like uh, how would heroes be manipulated if they were in if they were truly in the real world and all that uh every mm-hmm. character even spider-man getting a black costume <laughs> right that was right. really cool and i think that for me is i've tried to analyze it um that that there was still there was still a lot of um more traditional storytelling on television in particular um reruns for sure but also like even you know family ties and different strokes they they acknowledged the realities we were in. There's a funny mm-hmm. young Republican and, you know, Nancy Reagan came on different strokes and talk about drugs. Yeah. But it still felt really pat and really fake. And that no matter what happened, nothing would ever really change. Um, so I think mm-hmm. for me, there was a real marriage of anything where the characters lived in a darker world where people actually died, where a hero maybe might actually break a little bit felt honest. And that was the power of it to me. It felt like in in looking back on some of them now, they're like just kind of ridiculously grim, dark and and the adults that were writing them for, for the comic books for children and young adults in the, in the eighties, like some of them are dark libertarian fantasies about Mm -hmm. (laughs) dealing out justice your way. But, <laughs> so, you know, for, for some of the people writing them, they're going through their own generational journey. But for me, it felt honest. Uh, Ken, mm-hmm. how did how do you feel about that? Did you gravitate Not for the Grimm stories? And, and no. why? Why? Light, light and fluffy. <laughs> no, um, I mean, outside of uh, 
you know, just, just running through, you know, the, the stars in Indiana Jones of it all. And, and, uh, like something like Willow or Princess Bride, all that, that kind of like feeling that kind of high fancy adventure. I, I love that stuff. Um, and then in the nineties, like when, like, I remember I tried to like it, like, uh, the crow or something like that, but it, it was never me. It was never that it was never in the key of my soul. And, and, um, I like, but what I went the other direction, uh, where instead of angry or, or, you know, I, I've never really, I love the legacy and the influence of punk music and a lot of punk bands I, I understand and respect and, and like, but wasn't my style. Uh, the, the grunge movement of the night was not my style. Still not a huge fan of like Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, that era. Like it just, it just, it just didn't connect with me, but I went the other, I went sad into, I went shoegazing. <laughs> I went, if it, can this movie make me hurt? Um, because I, that's how, what I felt about myself or my mm. romantic prospects or where I was in life or what I was at, you know, all those things we've talked about on previous, uh, therapy center episodes, as, mm-hmm. as you might want to jokingly call them. Um, so yeah, I, I actively did not like, uh, the darkest. Now when I read the comics, I read the toy books, I read GI Joe and, and Transformers, um, and I did not get into the Watchmen. Did not get into uh, Batman's old and depressed. No, I don't. He's fighting Superman. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, and it's still um, not there in, in a way. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm not because I'm not a happy-go-lucky kid. It wasn't like all, you know, flowers and rainbows and fireworks. It was. It was. It was depression. <laughs> No, that makes sense. And I think that's a, a part of it, though. By, but uh, anything mm-hmm. that is acknowledging sadness also feels like it is fitting into that same sort of let's let's we don't want yeah. to pretend that life is always works out in 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And every problem yeah. is yeah. resolved so, yeah. by a quick conversation in a freeze frame. You know, there's yeah. a sort of a yeah. such a fakeness to that. And even by uh, reaching out for the stuff that's sad feels, mm-hmm. real, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's right in the same lane. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Jennifer, you were touching on this with the uh, the Janine Groffalo example, but I think uh, Gen X is kind of infamous for being snarky and irreverent. Um, Jennifer, were you snarky growing up, uh, and has that changed? In, in what's your journey with that? The snark would have been slapped out of me because <laughs> I, uh, I don't think that I was I was not allowed to be snarky. I think that there was a point when I was a, when I was little that I not snarky, but I just would say everything, and I very quickly learned I'm not supposed to do that. So mm-hmm. I think as a teenager, I certainly very much fit that like uh, stereotype of like. Uh, over it teen mm. i would sit in the corner and sulk i would share my two cents which oh my gosh my poor mother i feel so bad for her now looking back mm. i was really really tough uh as a teenager but then i mm. i think i i lost my snark i'm certainly not snarky now and my husband jokes with me like he's very snarky and he'll he'll like rib me and whatever and i'm like mm. Like I have no comeback, no snark, lost my edge. Got to get it back. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened to my snark. Yeah, I feel uh, like most listeners would say eh, they don't, we, we don't we don't perceive a lot of snark. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I think I'm very interested to see uh, how uh, Ken, who gravitated not uh, towards mm. grim but uh, <laughs> sad, uh, will mm. feel about this. Mm. Um, I think I I definitely had some snark uh when i was when i was young i mean I'll, I'll, 
definitely. Because but some of that was trying to get a laugh, and then as I got to be a teen, some of it was actual real um, depression and trying mm -hmm. to get anyone to see that I was in pain, kind of thing. Like many teens go through, nothing super unique there. Um, mm -hmm. And as I got older, I, I don't think the snark was about um, necessarily like day to day communication. I wasn't like rude to people, mm. but snarky about the world. Snarky in, yeah. in terms yeah. of because so much of what we grew up with felt fake and felt like it was not acknowledging the actual horror of reality and only grim or sad things were cool to speak with sincerity about the world felt dishonest and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i didn't realize Great how point. long that had stuck with me and i don't i mean i think some people you know who interacted yeah. with me would have felt like why you're not snarky you're you're friendly you're nice but even when i started um dating Sarah, like none of our interaction was snarky. I, I didn't have like, you know, a mean hipster nickname for her. Like part of the reason that we got along right away was because we were really nice to one another. We both like history and cheese and like, but in terms of how we looked at the world and spoke about the world, I had a hard time getting to know her family because they were very sincere. And like her mom would just say, Hey, I, uh, you know, look at that tree. Isn't it nice? And I'd, I'd be like, yeah. And where's the joke? Where's the twist? Where's the irony? Mm -hmm. We can't just sit mm -hmm. here and call a tree nice. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't even fully understand where that was coming from. It took me a long time to unpack why that was. And I realized that my friends and I weren't like, you know, jerks to each other, but like, I realized like, we don't just like walk up and compliment one another. Like mm -hmm. you couldn't just say like nice sweater. Because it would turn into like, you'd have to say it in a mean jokey way. Cause that's yeah. what felt honest. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it truly changed once I started to understand why can't I just, I don't feel super dark right now. Why can't I just compliment something and feel okay with that? Um, mm -hmm. And I think it took uh, um, some analysis being around social media, um, a couple of shows I did that helped me change my perspective, all that kind of stuff in, until I, I dealt with it a little bit. Uh, mm. What was your journey, Ken, with uh, snark and in your outlook yeah. on the world? No, it's 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 very similar to what you're describing here. I, I think you're doing a, a good job of of trying to put uh, your finger on that pulse. There, I, 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 we are absolutely part of this generation where. I, I, look, I was very, I was a polite little boy. I'm still a polite little boy when it comes down to it. Um, I still like to make sure I can uh, communicate with the every folk if that, that seems weird to say, but you know, I'm just like, we're all in this together. And, and I try to, I'm extra nice to the, Grace even made fun of me one day. We were, we went to, we went to see a movie and I, you know, I knew where our theater was and the girl took our tickets and goes, it's, it's over there at, at number one. I go, Oh, sweet. And like, Grace still makes fun. She's like, why did you do that? <laughs> mm -hmm. We know where the theater was. And I'm like, I'm just trying, I was just trying to make her feel good. Like she's wow. helped, she told us where her theater was. So I have that. I've always been the, the, the good little, the good little boy, quiet in the corner. I'm not a class clown. I, I, I had problems and still have problems with class clowns. But what you're describing, and it goes in deeper of just like, that's how we communicate about the world and, and the world and, 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 and how too nice, even though I like these happy stories, so to speak. It, it, it wasn't how I saw the world or it, it's, you know, as a quiet, shy kid, I wanted to communicate things. 
And that's how it came out. And that's how it also, it works, right? So when I, when I'm in radio, uh, by, by the time I'm 20 doing the news reports and, and putting, you know, snarky humor into it, um, people are going, this is great. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I carried over it and I've, I've I tried to address this in other spots, but it's like a lot of people started to really uh, know me in this phase of my life from like Schmoe's No doing the movie news, which was the exact same thing I did in radio. And it was snarky. It was, we like this stuff, but we're tearing it down. We're poking fun at it, but also, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's destructive in a way. And, 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 and it's comedy is so built on that. And someone who's, who's in the clubs doing stand-up stuff, uh, you know, on, on a weekly basis, like I have actively tried to do bits around. Normally, I would make fun of this person uh, and take that to the stage. And and there's one specific a specific example. I was at a, at a party, and an older guy was telling a story at about six of us, and it went. It was an old guy story, and it was about twenty minutes of him talking about his road he was building in the desert at his house. And all other five people peeled off and one by one, he just kept turning and turning and turning until I was the last one there listening. <laughs> oh. And normally I'd make fun of it. Like, oh, this is a crazy old man. So I was like, how can I do a bit about, you know what? This guy showed perseverance and he found his audience. That's funny to me. <laughs> and I tried to put that in bed. You know, I got to still work on it. I got to still write it the right way. But it's not, crowds don't react to that. They want to make fun of them. Mm-hmm. They want to make, and it's, they want to tear down instead of build up. And so much, I'm so that's so what you're describing, Joseph, is just like, yeah, you can't say to your friend, good job. It's got to be like, well, all right, whatever. And, and, and some of that might have to do with, with some of, uh, you know, toxic masculinity and all those kind of things, bigger conversations. But I've been spent a lot of time because it's, it's not always my, my instinct is to be a little snarky first, you know, yeah. and there's a, you know, I'm not saying I'm a different person on air off here, but it's like, you know, if I'm on the street, my tendency is to be like, look at that weird person doing that weird thing, as opposed to let me find out what they're doing and why they're doing it. Maybe it's cool. <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 a constant struggle. And I do think it emerged from what you're talking about in this generation. Yeah. Um, the, the reality bites generation. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think there's comedy is natural. Um, it, it is far easier uh, to destroy <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. more, you, you know, uh, have the, the jokes comparing the galaxy far, far away, uh, quicker, easier, mm-hmm. uh, more seductive. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a mean sex joke is quicker, easier, more seductive. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that, there is toxic masculinity. Um, but, but I do think that this specific sort of brand of it in the way generation X has kind of branded itself um is a, mm. a part of everything that we grew up that, with that we're talking about, that sort of like that a little bit mm-hmm. of nihilism of even those of us who had yeah. happy childhoods and have ha- lots of happy memories. There was still that drumbeat in the background of war and death and mm-hmm. um, disease and crime and, and, and all these things that I think being snarky is kind of taking that nihilism and trying to empower yourself of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's laughing in the face of death. You know, yeah, and I yeah. think that's why even even when there is sincerity, sometimes there's that desire to to twist it um, because it gives yep. you power over it. And I, I mm-hmm. think for me, I think I've almost uh, swung too far the other way. Of uh, when I started that obsessed podcast, I realized I didn't spend m- much time being sincere. And when somebody would just tell me a nice thing in their life, it took work to go, for me to go nice instead of nice. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm, like I had mm-hmm, a hard mm-hmm. time with it at first and, and, and cringed and realized I don't know how to just be nice uh, to people. Yeah. 
And then I think I swung so far the other way that sometimes people were like, do you really mean nice? Like <laughs> trying yeah. to be positive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think I just really see that in our generation. I think there's some people who have frankly evolved a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some people who are stuck in needing to tear everything down. Um, yeah. And, and one of the reasons that it's interesting to me to, to, to talk about how we're affected by when we grow up and when we want to evolve and when we don't. Indeed. Yeah. It's constant. Uh, all right. We are going to take a break. But first, who's got a recommendation this week? Uh, oh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Books are stupid. Books are stupid. Who wants to read? Yeah, I was. Uh, I gosh darn it! I was. I was. I was on this one. I was on this one, and I didn't. But I'll tell you what. You guys can choose. All you have to do is <laughs> choose. Actually, here's an audible book, and it's a. And it's a. You know, it's it's a, it is about a. You know, I know we're trying not to talk about movies, but it's it's a friend uh, of mine, Brad Gilmore. He wrote a book called Back to the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. And it is on Audible and you can try it out on us just by simply going to audibletrial.com slash force center and get your free audio book. Again, that's at audibletrial.com slash force center. There we go. Pulled it out. You did it. You did it. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to be talking more 80s. And some of the stuff we're going to be talking about is more positive. <laughs> so come back for that. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to uh, Force Center Presents Other Center. We're growing up in the 80s, and yeah, it got a little heavy, but you <laughs> tried growing up where once a week at school you had to duck under a table and uh, prepare for a nuclear holocaust. You tried being light and fluffy, Joseph. This is a lot of fun. Where else are we going? Yeah, this would be very interested uh, to see how the current generation uh, grows up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all the different factors and they have to hide on a desk for uh, different uh, yep. reasons. Yep. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So, they start voting. <laughs> so even with um, a lot of the, the hard things that we talked uh, about, uh, our generation is definitely of the age to get very nostalgia centric. I think even people who didn't grow up in the eighties, because there was a lot of great pop culture that continues to influence us. There are things like, like stranger things that are, um, made by people who even were a little younger uh, in, yeah. th- than us and didn't fully experience that. And, and there's a lot of nostalgia, I think, that has come to, to Gen X's uh, doorstep. Um, and there's this real stereotype that Gen X was wild and free, that, uh, that our parents were not at home. Uh, there are higher divorce rates. We were children of divorce. Kids were left to fend for themselves. Um, there weren't as many rules and regulations, man. Uh, Jennifer, what was your experience as a kid? Did you roam free and helmetless on your bike? And was it uh, a lost utopia? Yeah, basically, yes. Um, because mm-hmm. my parents got divorced or they separated and then divorced. So my mom went back to work. Um, and so I became a latchkey kid. I would come home and it would just be me and I loved it. Um, <laughs> I walked everywhere. I never used a helmet. Oh my gosh, what? No way. And uh, never used like pads on my elbows when I was roller skating, anything like that. Um, we had pay phones. So, you know, oh, I, I couldn't find a pay phone, mom. So I couldn't call like, oh, it was just wonderful. We had our own landline <laughs> so our friends could call us privately so they didn't have to speak to our parents. And I would talk for hours on my on my phone in my room. Um, 
yeah, it was great. There was a lot of great things. And it's interesting because what seems to have shifted with parenting is like all these parenting blogs and the influencers and there's the, the helicopter parent has become such a thing. There's a lot of judgment on what we should be doing as a parent. Mm. And because we didn't really have that growing up, like our parents did what they had to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they felt guilt. I know my mom still to this day is like, I feel bad. I'm like, no, I was glad when you left the house. I was finally able to like be free. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely way different now. And you get shamed by so, from so many different places, you know, whether it's on Instagram or other people are like, I read in this parenting blog that you should be doing blah, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So- yeah, it's very, very different. And there's just more access to things of how we are harming our children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. It's so yeah. great to get your parenting perspective in general, but also just like to, the contrast in, in how parenting has changed um, yeah. or the expectations around it. Yeah, it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, go climb on that. Sure. You know, <laughs> now, watch yeah. TV for hours, whatever. So like, you, well, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, phrase this question without putting words in your mouth. Like I understand how being helmetless, it, it sounds fun. I, I assume that you want your kids to wear helmets. Oh, they wear helmets. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like ver- uh, yes. Bikes, their scooters, everything. Right. Because I mean, uh, we now know the the dangers of it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's very, very different. And I remember like, as I got a little bit older, I remember that they, people were encouraging helmets more, but I was like, no, I don't want to wear a helmet. I'm like dorky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rather, you know, conk my head. That's really great. <laughs> yeah. Concussion <sighs> or dorky. Um, I, I think almost everyone growing up uh, that I knew would have uh, chosen concussion over dorky, which is <laughs> not great for the um, preservation of the, <laughs> Of the human species, but there you but go. That's why they now have cool helmets. Like my kids have these really cool, like cat wild print with ears and everything. Like they they know that kids don't <laughs> want to wear helmets, but they so they try and make them look more appealing. Yeah, I think oh, very smart. So you like so your nostalgia yourself for being helmetless was almost like wasn't it great when we didn't know what a big risk this was. Yeah, it was just more about like just doing whatever I wanted. I mean, and my mom was very, very strict. So uh, it was just like when she wasn't home (laughs) that I got to do, you know, watch TV and do all these things and climb outside in the backyard, Mm. things that she would never let me do. Yeah. She'd be like, no, you're going to you're going to fall and you're going to, you know, break your crack your head open, that kind of stuff. I, I, I have one other follow-up question and I want to hear uh, Ken's experience because I, I, mm. I suspect that both Ken and I have a, a slightly different <laughs> uh, <laughs> experience w- with our parents. Um, one thing I didn't really include in the, the, the discussion, but I wanted to is, Jennifer, did you have access to MTV and did that have an impact on you? Yes, I did. I did have access to MTV and HBO and what would happen was I would watch it when my parents would have like their, the family over, we'd have these big parties. And so I would go in their bedroom and they might have it on. That's how I saw Jaws. And it actually, mm. um, it actually, I, to this day, I have a serious phobia of sharks. Like I can't even look at a picture of it. Like, I don't like to go in the ocean. Like, because I that saw was that another when I was thing. a kid. Yeah. We were supposed to be afraid mm-hmm. of the oceans. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so much terror. And I remember watching like MTV videos, like George Michael, Madonna, Michael Jackson, but I wasn't allowed to. 
or, or VH1. Mm-hmm. I remember VH1 mm-hmm. was kind of okay, but um, my my parents would just be off doing their own thing, and then I would sneak and watch that. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and a lot of very adult mm-hmm. stuff really on MTV. When you look at it again, I'm like, I, I got a lot of messages about what mm-hmm. I was supposed to look like and do. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, how about you? Were you uh, helmetless and free going anywhere on your bike? Yeah, well, touching what you're saying there, looking back, it's like the damage was done in other ways that no one was suspecting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I, no, I literally was helmetless and free and, and, and having a very, um, very protective mother. And again, I, you know, I love hearing your perspective too, Jen, but it's like I, part of what I went through a while ago in therapy or what I'm going through now and just trying to communicate. And, and, and I, I feel for my, my parents, they don't, I don't think they understand. It's like, part of the growth or the change isn't just going, man, you really, it really sucked being raised by you. It's not that it's going, I understand you tried to do the best with what you knew at the time. And here's what it did. And here's also the hard wiring I have from you. And here's, can we talk about it? Can we just be op- open and honest? I'm not going to hold you to the flame for what you did in 1985 because you didn't, you only knew what to do. Uh, you, there was no playbook. <laughs> there was no blog of parent blogs. And even that might, as Jen points out, might be, problematic some ways so uh as as overprotective not allowed to watch top gun not allowed to watch gremlins no movies no hbo um no mtv vh1 i tried to bring home i told the story before the beastie boys but like i tried to bring home some other popular uh, <laughs> cds or cassettes actually and uh, i was told absolutely not um all those kind of things you know uh, i i was encouraged to like the beatles up until their weird years like it was you know <laughs> ringo has a mustache we can't you can't listen to it um, that kind of stuff, but like, yeah. Uh, and I wasn't a latch, latchkey kid. Um, uh, but my mom eventually as uh, towards the late eighties got started getting uh, jobs where I'd have about an hour home from, from school. The bus would drop me off. It was like junior high range. And man, I would run to flip on MTV. And if I was lucky, Paul Abdul videos were playing. Like, you know, just <laughs> oh my young gosh. kid just raging. <laughs> like, cold-hearted snake is on. Cold-hearted snake. <laughs> yeah. Looking to his eyes. Uh-oh, he's been telling lies. And then I'd hear the garage door. And I'd be like, oh, I've got to turn on <laughs> You know, um, and but I was literally allowed to ride up and down the street uh, of my elementary school years in, on a bike, no helmet by myself. Literally experienced that. Um, and we knew some reality. My, my sister, who's four years younger, was almost abducted in front of our house. Mm. Um, a weird incident happened. And like you oh talked about up top, up, up top, Joseph, we can make fun of some of these crazy satanic panic, panic 80s stuff. But some of the stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. why... I, fault everyone across the board, you know, unilaterally fault parents. Uh, it, it, it was some realities. Um, and, and my sister was very susceptible to that. We're just like, oh, some person's calling me to a van. I'm going to walk to them. And it was a weird, traumatic uh, experience. Um, mom had to pull her out uh, literally as, 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 you know, screaming mm. as, as, as this van drew voice. So, so, but I was allowed to ride up and down that street. So it was, it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird spot. Carefree. Uh, and, and, but maybe they should have been looking for other things. I don't know. Yeah. Not, mm. not Top Gun and not Gremlins. Mm-hmm. See, I love when we find the slight differences in our age. Uh, because mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. me, Paul Abdul is straight up. <laughs> tell me, mm-hmm. you're going to love me forever. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, Paul Abdul to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was uh, on MTV a lot. Uh, I will always mm-hmm. remember the uh, summer of uh, 88, I believe. When MTV played nothing but uh, alternating "Sweet Child of Mine" and "Parents Just Don't Understand," 
Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I got to uh, see at my grandma's house because she had <laughs> cable uh, before we did. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I, I had a mix. There was definitely some of the um, the helmetlessness for sure. Yes, yeah. uh, a lot of the just uh, physical safety issues. Um, a lot of uh, still chemicals uh, around and in the environment um, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff uh, that has changed now. Uh, I really only had one chunk of time where I had a little bit of the normal, hey, if, as long as you go these two blocks, go wherever you want to go on your bike. There are a bunch of other kids around. Uh, when we lived mm-hmm. in Portland, Oregon, really had the like normal neighborhood kid adventures. Um, there there was a cherry tree on our front lawn and one of the older, older kids talked us into picking all the cherries off and then we had a cherry fight and we smashed the cherries everywhere and then we're like well mm. we made a big mess we got to wash it so then we had a fight with a water hose and I accidentally mm. blew a water hose into our living room and got in trouble <laughs> like that was my oh, leave it to beaver summer <laughs> um and then after that there was just a lot of fear uh there was a lot of harsh weather so there was some like summer fun but but not as much so i think for me it's mm. a, a i didn't get to roam free uh anywhere near as much uh, mm. as I wanted, I had some latchkey days and they were great. Cause yes, I would just come home and, uh, you know, watch whatever I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I remember, remember talking about the, the helmet listen in free, you know, Gen X built tough, uh, is remembering <laughs> that seat, the, the change to seat belts was basically the eighties. Um, mm-hmm, I looked mm-hmm. up in, in Wikipedia, it's, it's, uh, you know, cascading the years that different states adopted it in minnesota it was 87 hmm, um, wow and wow I remember, that's late, late. Right? Yeah. right and i remember it being like um okay it's the law and i remember dad being like i guess we gotta you know um yeah. but my mom being very fear oriented and really happy about it you know and um i remember going through the the cool or dorky when i first started driving it's like i'm not gonna do a seatbelt. Like, at that point, like we're out of the eighties, I'm an adult. And like, and then I was like, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and eventually started wearing the seatbelt again. Uh, but that, I, I think that is uh, for, for people who are younger than us, that is a, a, a way to frame how new uh, an idea is relatively about safety mm-hmm. that then becomes just evergreen, you know? That, yeah. you know, in the eighties, the big chunk of the eighties, you didn't wear seatbelts and, there was a no smoking section and it was just, you know, those four tables in the <laughs> middle of a bleep and cloud, right, you know, right. Sure. You can, you can sit in the uh, no smoking section on the plane. It's behind the smokers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah. how I, I think sometimes as a society, we don't have enough imagination about how we can change things. And so I think it's good mm-hmm. to talk about how quickly things that were laws mm-hmm. that change things. And then, and then they feel evergreen like they've always been there and they're yeah. of mm. course but they're not their political will yeah wow yeah, that, yeah. seatbelt thing's fa- fascinating um do you remember do you remember a seatbelt change ken uh no i just was always always had them always had them yeah 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 um, okay oh i yeah, remember yeah 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 did yeah. you do you remember a change from being uh wild and free roaming the back seat of a car to <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. Well, up. Well, yeah. In the mm. trunk, right? In the station yeah. the station wagon back. Station. There's a picture of me in a playpen, like a uh <laughs> yeah, in the back mm. that my mm-hmm. parents would just let me hang out and like that. Yeah. No seatbelt, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. You are you're unearthing that memory. Sorry, Jen, if I uh, cut yeah, you no. off there. Yeah, we we um had for years 
uh, a, a Volkswagen van. My dad actually had several Volkswagen cars um, and we had a van for years. And so we take trips and yes, I would just be free roaming in the back or <laughs> on the couch in the part of the, you know, cause it had two couches and, uh, and a little fridge. It was wild. Um, and there was <laughs> basically a, had like wow. a, you had a yeah. dorm room in the back of the a dorm room. Right? Yeah. And so my sister and I would be there and I even, I even sometimes put this in, in my stand up stuff, but like, yeah, there was an incident. We were driving up our, our yearly trip to uh, the uh, Green Valley Lake area of, of, of San Bernardino mountains and we hit black ice and um, it was, a, it, it was the type of situation. If, if we had gone skidded left, we might've, I might not be here. Like we, we went, we would have been down the side of the hill. We went right oh. into the side of the mountain. I was in the back <laughs> and, oh and like, I just remember being on like, uh, kind of like all fours, like a little chihuahua <laughs> trying to like, like, uh, like what's happening is the, the van just spun in, mm. in circles. No seatbelt, nothing, nothing. And it wasn't until we got the, we replaced that with the Subaru, the blue 86 Subaru station wagon. That a lot of families <laughs> had that the seatbelts just became normal. So yes, actually now that you're jogging uh, my memory, Joseph, that's 86. So wow. yeah. Yeah. I don't think I was normally in seatbelts until then. I think I just assumed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Times change quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, Gen X is the generation that sort of bridges the gap between a mostly analog world and a mostly uh, a digital world. Uh, Jennifer, how do you think that affects you personally or our generation in, in total? It is really interesting because I can see now with younger people that I'm dealing with, they just, they're so fast with texts. They're so fast with emails. Like I'm still worrying about punctuation, grammar, (laughs) spelling. Um, It just takes me a lot longer. Um, I, I personally don't like talking. I'm not a big talking on the phone person, but I don't have no problem calling like for to make an appointment or sometimes you just need to get someone on the phone because you can resolve an issue quicker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I find that now things are really shifting to all text, like even with doctor's offices, which is and like the receptionist people are younger. And so they're like, no, we'll just text you. I'm like, can I just call? Like, I just I just have a quick question. Mm -hmm. It takes so much longer for me to do these texts. And here's another thing that's interesting is like, (laughs) it's just so fascinating how like my kids only want to watch stuff like, like YouTube and, Mm -hmm. or even they don't have phones, thank God. But like on the computer, my daughter was like watching her laptop and I'm like, why don't we just put it on the TV? And she's like, no, no, I like it. I like it here. Mm. I think that there's a real personal mm. connection, you know, um, about like some of the content that they're watching. It's like fellow kids doing stuff. It's very different uh, than mm. what we grew up with. Um, I'd rather watch a show. So all these things, I don't even want to think about social media when they're teenagers. I've been hearing horror stories mm. about that. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, it's really, we're kind of straddling these two worlds mm-hmm. and it's interesting that as we're getting older like our way is it's going bye-bye in some sense and so mm-hmm. and that's that's fine it just means that i have to adapt yeah mm-hmm. no it, it's really fascinating to get older and to, to to feel like okay well what are what are traditions of your time that it's fine if they evolve versus what kind of emerges to be like uh, no that that that's kind of evergreen um mm-hmm. and and you know really wrestling with the idea that Change is natural. Change should happen. But we also should, you know, we shouldn't entirely resist change, but we should also be aware of it and make choices as, you know, Mm -hmm. a society, you know. Yeah, because we're becoming more isolated is really what it what it feels like. And 
I have somebody who has a 20 year old son and he was having difficulty. Like he didn't want to make a phone call. He's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to talk. I don't want to talk to this person on the phone. And so yeah, I, I do think there, there is an issue uh, with that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I, I think that's one of the things that I really think about bridging that gap of that. We are of the right age. We were young enough that we are adaptable to new technology. Um, mm, right. We are, we are slower. And uh, mm. because we are the older generation, we'll be behind on things like, uh, you know, don't use punctuation in a text. It's rude. <laughs> like right. we are definitely slower, but like our generation doesn't appear to have any, any real deep challenge with, oh, banking's online now. Cool. Great. Right. Um, you know, of, mm-hmm. oh, this, this is what the, everybody jokes that this is what the kids are doing on TikToks, but it's full of 40 and 50 year olds, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So we, we, and then I think our parents have like almost, um, some may be great for it, but to, to generalize a little bit, it's almost more conceptual. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It, you know, it's not just like learn where the buttons is. Like when I talk to my dad, my mom just doesn't do some of this stuff. And when I talk to my dad, some he's willing to do it, but a lot of it is mm-hmm. just like, but I don't, I don't get why there aren't words. Why, why does everything have to be a picture? Why aren't there words? Mm-hmm. And like, it's a conceptual shift. So like mm-hmm. we're able to adapt, but I think we also are, are still, pining for the solid the physical the tactile the in person mm-hmm. maybe more than than younger generations right exactly yeah i'm and, right there and, with both of you yeah yeah go for it ken no i'm right there with, with both of you and and how I, I do think um we we adapt better than than my parents uh, i remember the heated argument i got into my with my folks uh, about 10 years ago when my dad said we do not text in this house and and I was like, you guys need to start texting me. <laughs> and and now they do. <laughs> now they do. Um, my mom used to be a, a like used to be the activities uh, director for three retirement homes, and I'd go visit. And her younger assistant was eh, maybe my age, but five years younger. And that younger sister was like, she was telling me she was it's hilarious. Your mom would be like, uh, you know, we need to hire a a, a band for an event. And my mom would go pull the phone book off the shelf and, 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 and Trisha, <laughs> wow. her sister would be like, well, no, it's, it's on the internet. <laughs> and this is oh. like 2012. And, and like, I, I, I started to see myself um, go that direction uh, around the time of, of the, the iPhone shows up. Uh, I remember the, the events for the first time I just started, I just went back to my uh, old mall and they had, they had the big Apple event at the Apple store, the new iPhones. And I just remember fighting it. I used to fight Gmail. My friend used to remember, she goes, I have the email from you, from your Hotmail account, in which you told me I will not switch to Gmail. That's what pretentious people do. And so I had that in me, a little bit of the snarky side, right? But it was it was my dad and mom. Like, I, I, I felt it. I started to see it and started to be like, I, I, I want to fight it. There's still some things. And I think there's a, there is a serious conversation. My, my, my nephew is 19 now. And Jan is experiencing exactly what you just talked about. He cannot function. Mm. Um, he he's probably maybe got some other things that uh, maybe we need to look into. But but um, it's a conversation with my sister and I have. But um, um, it's to it's to a little bit of a frightening level. Um, he's only online. He only has friends online. He only has a, a girlfriend online. He he can. I mean, he does not leave his room mm. to a, to a troubling point. So I think there's you, you know it's like with anything. It's I I think you you know. 
I, I, I've used certain AI things. Um, I don't have a problem with Paul McCartney taking a track from John Lennon and using AI to clean it up. I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with someone creating John Lennon songs out of thin air and mm-hmm. trying to pass it off on his, any mm-hmm. technology can be good, but any technology can be used and abused and used to support those often the powerful ones versus the powerless. It's the big thing of the strike, the AI issue the strike, right? But I always want to try to be open to it. I, I want to, you know, and, and until until facts change it. I invested in some crypto from the beginning. Okay, let me see what this is. I also had a friend make a lot of money one day. I was like, all right, let me see. All right, now that I've investigated, might not be for me or might not be the right thing. <laughs> I think it's okay. I, but I, I actively fight against it because the direction I was going to. But a lot of it is, I remember the day that my dad brought home the first microwave uh, in our family. I remember the, I remember the getting the Commodore 64 and, and, and it's just, I, I I've seen the changes and it's okay to, uh, I'm with you, Jen. Sometimes you just want to get on a phone, but by the way, I'll never book a hotel unless if you don't have a website, if you say call for rates, I ain't staying there. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. I'm not staying there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, I'm right in the middle of it all uh, with y'all. It's like, we, we, we saw the changes happen. Uh, we weren't raised with the changes. I think there's some ramifications of the changes, but there's also so much good out of it that what we're doing at this moment is insane. We're not in the same mm-hmm. location. Right. That's not possible three, four, five years ago, let alone 10, 15, 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you, you're touching on a lot of great things. I think it is natural for different generations to sort of uh, uh, resist various things. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the first uh, um, papers I wrote in college was um, why uh, email wasn't good uh, because you couldn't smell it. <laughs> I was trying to make an argument for like tactile things. And like at the time, like the, the girl I liked was going to a different college and, you know, she'd send me letters and they'd be like perfume in them. And I'd be like, can you put perfume in an email? Is that an attachment you can do? And like, it's, it's really funny and very embarrassing. Um, I think I said before, like, I, I really like older things like typewriters and that, but when I was younger, I think I was a little bit of a, of a hipster about it. Only old things are cool, man. Um, <laughs> and I don't like being like that at all. I want to embrace change. It, it, it bums me out when I see people my age just kind of hating something new because it's new um, right. and, and therefore mm-hmm. bad. So it, it gets to be this very difficult conversation where I think some change like, oh, more of your, your friendships are online. Cool. You, you, you'd rather right. not yeah. call. You'd rather, you'd rather text. Because that's the way you grew up. It's changed. That's fine. But then as you get into it larger, like the phone call thing, like, hey, you prefer texting? Fine. Um, Mm -hmm. But like corporations swoop in and make it impossible for you to speak to a human. And that's actually like controlling Right. Mm-hmm. Like um, I, the, uh, the bank I, I was with for my production company changed. I have no control over that. And then I couldn't fix a thing without calling uh, the bank. And then it had a tree and there was and it kept kicking me out because I didn't have a password, but I couldn't hit the button to make the password with having the password. And no matter how many times I went through the tree, I could not speak. Uh, to a human in trail, I'd actually get found a different number entirely. And then eventually that human just told me like, oh, yeah, that thing isn't working because we just don't offer it. Um, Mm. And, you know, some of that is just venting. But (laughs) I I think the the lack, the dwindling public spaces, the dwindling ability to physically fix things um, like like the way Apple is aggressive about you can't mm-hmm. just switch out a, a battery. Um, yeah, yeah. The way mm. you can't 
call a human and ask a nuanced question. You can only answer one, two, or three on a phone tree. Right. Mm. Some of that stuff, I think, is to be resisted and is different than two 20-year-olds preferring to text one another. Mm -hmm. It it is an active attack from large corporations to silence flowing organic Mm -hmm. human communication. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And yeah, and always trying to fight change and 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 and, and accept change. And I don't know. I one time did get in a heated argument um, in uh, Defy Media when I was working Screen Junkies because uh, one of the hosts and uh, um, her producer for the TV fight show was like, "Why do you always put a comma on your emails after you say like, hey, Steve?'" I was like, "Because that's how you write letters." <laughs> I was like that's. That's what it's like. No, you don't. It's not right. It's wrong. And I'm like, it's literally right. It's literally right. Do you see the little Gmail logo? Do you know what that physical object is? (laughs) Now I don't. And they'll be like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, it was, and I think it was a little bit of of what we're talking about, the generation being around the middle of us, just like, they, they were like, they weren't kids, kids, you know, they were 10 years younger than me, but they were, they were, they were telling me I was wrong. And I was like, I am telling you, I'm literally right about it. Right. Whether or not it's used in email, maybe that's changed. I understand how society and the world moves on, but I was like, you're telling me I'm wrong. I'm telling you that is literally how you write a letter. You put a comma after you address someone. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, or the a, double space. Remember that? Oh, that yeah, shift? No, oh God, oh God. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh God. There's still some double space warriors out there uh, in mm-hmm. Facebook land. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah, so fascinating, fascinating. That could be a whole podcast. Um, Mm. We've talked about this because uh, our podcast talks about uh, pop culture. But in some ways, I think Gen X is the first, uh, at least uh, American generation that sort of didn't put childish things away, um, continuing to uh, love uh, pop culture and identify with it as part of our our personality, um, collecting uh, things. Uh, just in video games, I think in another generation would have been like, yeah, yeah, no, you, you enjoy them <laughs> until you're about 18. Yeah. And then that's, that's mm-hmm, the thing mm-hmm. kids do. And, you know, it, yeah. we did not put video games away uh, either. So anyway, we could go on and on. Um, but Jennifer, do you have thoughts on, on why you think our generation was the first that sort of didn't put childish things away? Mm, That's a great question. I think it's because from, at least for me, um, there was a lot of like uh, trauma and pain in my childhood. And I felt like I had to grow up fast. And so now it's like, I want to reclaim that. I want to reclaim my childhood. I want to heal those wounds. And I'm staring now at my ET that I have, um, my little ET figure, um, and my Ewok that I'm staring at, my Wicket. It, it just brings me joy. And mm-hmm. it's it's like bridging that life that maybe I wanted to have um, and and having happy memories now with it. I, I, I'm sure that there's a psychological reason, but from a from a financial standpoint, it's fascinating to see Star Wars, Marvel, uh, even Disney to some extent, and how s- movie studios and TV studios have really understood that, like, we, the us, our generation, and even younger, mm-hmm. we have money to spend. We want to to spend money going to the movies and seeing a Marvel movie, or, or we want to spend a ridiculous amount on Star Wars collectibles. And so they're, they're very aware of our power. Mm-hmm. And so 
and also we're aware of our power, which as we've seen online can actually be a horrible thing <laughs> mm-hmm. where they're like, studios, listen to us. Mm-hmm. That's not what I asked for. That's not what <laughs> I wanted as a fan. And I've been a fan since 1980, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, calm down there. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's, there's a lot going on why we don't want to put it away. And it's also like, who cares? So what if somebody yeah, wants to yeah. have a bunch of Furbies? Like, yeah. okay. How does that good hurt for you? Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no judgment about that. I think that there was a lot of stereotypes about collecting as being seen, especially like in the 80s, like they are weird. They have a Garfield room where yeah. this woman has mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm, bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, porcelain dolls. Like, what yeah. a weirdo. Even and like now stamp like, collectors were like a joke, like on a right. standard. If you, if you needed just a bleeping weirdo to walk into the bar and cheers, they can collect stamps. You know, like yeah. a weirdo. <laughs> and now, th- kind of thanks to, to TikTok, especially, like, it's awesome. I want to see the room that you have dedicated to pictures of worms. And I'm not joking about that. Like, that was something that came across my feed. And I'm like, that's it. so freaking cool that that person is embracing what they like and and really who they are. And I think that we now recognize that, that is, there's no shame in that. Embrace your weird, because to my opinion, it's not weird. Yeah. No, I, I think you're really hitting on things. I think uh, – uh, for me with, with some of what we were talking about at the very beginning of, uh, of the podcast with the, all of the fears that, that society truly might not make it, um, Mm -hmm. that, that combined with some of the, the bad things I experienced, um, with my parents growing up, I think as I took my first step into adulthood, I had a sort of defiant ice cream for dinner attitude toward life of, I, I was kind of told I wasn't going to be here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to enjoy any of these things. Some of the things I did want as I became a teen, I was, I was, you know, really um, uh, uh, restricted from. So I had a like, if I like it, uh, then I'm going to do it. And then, and then the snark helped as we've talked about a lot uh, of, mm-hmm. it was, you know, me and my buddies would, would go to Toys R Us and, and we'd make fun of ourselves for it. So mm-hmm. we would, we could right. both enjoy it. We could continue to be children and we could mock ourselves for it at mm. the same time. And then, you know, the generation coming up behind us, you know, I remember mm. when it started being that, like, you know, somebody, even at the beginning of Twitter, someone in Gen X, if they put, like, here's my identifying uh, thing about me. I've got uh, brown eyes, I'm 5'9", and I like Batman. There would have still been a, a sense of irony to that. And then the mm. generation behind us really do have, like, you know, <laughs> uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! is one of my defining things about me as a human you know um mm-hmm. and there wasn't yeah. the irony to it it was just in in ownership so something did change um mm-hmm. so for me on a personal level and maybe other people a little bit was it of it was the ice cream for dinner attitude but uh, jennifer i think you're dead right too that there was just for our generation a really timely shift in the popularity of genre so companies said "Ooh." Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when my dad was a kid and they didn't make, you know, Roy Rogers collectibles for adults because they had no idea adults would buy them. Uh, mm-hmm. You like Roy Rogers when you're a kid. You know, we're not going to sell mm-hmm. lunch boxes for 40 year olds with Roy Rogers on them. But right. I think like the popularity of Batman 89, uh, mm-hmm. what that did for speculation on uh, comic books, more and more uh, superhero movies. I, I think you're totally right that there was that if if Gen X already had that leaning to not put childish things away, uh, corporate powers realized let's let let us help you with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. And we've had kind of the nostalgic conversations in other um, ways around here. And, and um, I, I, I commission a, a long form doc on this, please. Someone make this to help us understand it. I don't have all the answers, but I, I we're, we have, Jen, you're touching on some, some powerful things on it. And Joseph, you're touching on the, on the corporate truths of it, but also just the, the generational truth. I really think this started to hit in, um, I don't know, I think in waves in, in the nineties. Cause I, I, you know, I, you, you, you struck a chord with me there because in college, uh, while studying screenwriting and trying to write these stories, we we were studying Star Wars and Batman 89 and that kind of stuff. Clerks was coming out. I always give uh, Kevin Smith a lot of credit mm. for being the first person to put like two people having a conversation about Star Wars that wasn't jokey, nerdy. Um, did I do that kind yes. of stuff? Yeah. I, th- yeah. I always say it was one of the bigger moments in my own life of just like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, I'm, I'm not alone in that. And then. My my friend and, and longtime friend, uh, uh, Joel, we would s- sneak off to Toys R Us by our community college to go buy the Power of the Force figures and, and the new WWE figures and Legos. And we felt bad about it. We'd be snarky about it. We'd be like, look at us not growing up. But uh, and there's some truth to that. Right. Again, kind of with the tech tech talk or changes. You, yes, things could be too far. And yes, people find a way to make money. I think eventually, though, you slide to like 2000. Seven, eight, nine. YouTube explodes. Social media really starts to shift from Friendster, MySpace, and Top Eight to this is who I am. And then people like us in our age group are getting jobs, in which they're making decisions. And mm-hmm. then that slides back to the eighties and kind of what you're talking about, Jen. Where I, I put this argument out there. I, yes, I, I think you can get lost in nostalgia. I think you can kind of remain in an emotional state of immaturity. That's a danger of it. But this was our art. I I I, mm-hmm. I did read the Iliad. I don't remember it. I remember <laughs> the novelization of Return of the Jedi. You know, th- this is you, you. You left me in a, ro- a room with these stories. These stories formed me. So how dare you tell me to put them away? Why? Yeah. How? Mm. Why would I do that? And yes, video games. My my dad plays uh, not like console games, but he plays some PC games and stuff. He he adapted it. We used to sit around at the Commodore, but like. Yeah, there was the it, it, thought of this gaming system, you're going to put it up. Well, no, I, I, I can make the self-effacing jokes that I'm a 47-year-old who plays Fortnite every night, but I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I, I've started mm-hmm. to tell my friends, you know, we joke that we're being uh, you know, eliminated by a lot of 14-year-olds playing Fortnite. We're probably not. We're probably going to be eliminated by 55-year-olds. <laughs> because we don't right. have to. We don't have to yeah. put it up. Been honing mm-hmm. their skills since Duck Hunt. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, yeah, and, and, and it is fascinating, and it is us. It is us, for better or worse, and sometimes it's worse. And I think sometimes you know it, and sometimes you know when you're being sold the the, 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 corporate, uh, the corporate BS on it. But again, it's because the people up – sorry, I'm, I'm – but, like, I remember around 2009 and 10, I was starting to do my, – with my writing group, and we were talking about stuff to put out there. And one of our friends in the group got cast in, in the new Thundercats that was coming out. He, he was oh, doing, wow. doing yeah. one of the voices. And we were like, whoa, wait a minute. What else can we bring back? Can we pitch a show? So we're trying to get a mask reboot done. And mm. and and the, with the guys from the Thundercats, and it, it didn't go anywhere and, and this and that. But it's like, then next, you know, online, you know, now I can go watch Dan Larson's Secret Galaxy Contact when he when he goes wonderfully into mask and stuff like that. But that wasn't that that hadn't started to emerge yet. That nostalgia, we weren't selling ourselves the nostalgia yet. Mm. Uh, and I look at that era too. Anyways, it's fascinating. I'm clear. I love, I would love to talk this about this for three hours. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe we can talk about this more too, but I also think, I think like, like the TikTok of the, the worm room, I think is a great yeah. illustration of very early on in social media, 
we were able to feel less alone. And if you like something that isn't as popular, you can still connect with it. Or, you mm-hmm. know, in our in our galaxy, a uh, uh, far, far away community, the way people like to find every, uh, you know, a bunch of people who have this favorite background character. Um, the way that we're able to connect, I think, also encourages us to keep liking things mm-hmm. because you don't feel as utterly alone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The slow revelation that I had been lied to that um, that some of the stuff I liked was only for men, um, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be. And I was hung up on the stereotype that one of the reasons I needed to make fun of myself is because, you know, this is a reason that women won't date me if they saw my apartment, <laughs> uh, you know, and then, you know, the the blissful realization that, you know, uh, we had all been sold a, 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 a lie mm-hmm. about uh, gender and uh, genre uh, mm-hmm. was uh, I think another another factor. Um, uh, bigger topic for a later time. Uh, generation X is numbers wise a smaller generation, uh, and and much like other generations, uh, we've had some specific financial setbacks. You know the dot com you know boom and bust as we were kind of entering the workforce and the two thousand eight financial crisis as a lot of us were becoming parents or trying to buy houses. Um, Maybe this uh, is a part of the the uh, not putting childish things away that we didn't all turn 20 and handed the reins of society, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> at mm-hmm. least in America. Um, another factor of it is that uh, the the baby boomers didn't retire at the same rate. So a lot <laughs> of them are still <laughs> holding the reins of power. And now yeah. we're getting looking around, uh, getting uh, significantly older, going, weren't we supposed to inherit the world uh-huh. at some point? Nope, mm-hmm. guess not. Okay. So yeah. uh, at the risk of uh, being a uh, real mopey and real Gen X, uh, uh, <laughs> are we the forgotten generation that will never truly take the reins of society? Yeah. And if so, does it like even matter? Does it matter, oh. man? Jeez Louise. I, you know, I think that our, our generation, we are over it. We are tired and we seem to have just accepted our fate, which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. like, this is just it. This is just the reality. And what I admire about the millennials and the younger generation is they are, they are contrary to how people paint them. They're real go-getters. Mm-hmm. They're entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They will monetize everything. And they are so good at that. Like I'm at this point now where I'm like, what the frack have I done? Like I invested all this time into acting. I was make, <laughs> able to make my living for, and now because of streaming. Like, And so now I'm like looking at these younger kids and they have figured it out how to monetize their, their hobbies, their lives. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how, do, how kid, Hey kid, <laughs> Steve Buscemi gif. Yeah. Hey, hey kid, how, how do I do this? Like, can you tell me like, cause I'm at the point where I, I need to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. but how there do you is do this, fellow influencer? Exactly. Yeah. But there is, so there is something about like our generation that is just like, well, we're screwed. All right. This is, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the other gif of uh, this nice in here burning in hell. That's kind of how I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like our generation is. So I admire the, the younger generation. Yes. Uh, some people will point out that, uh, Obama is on the cusp. Uh, so there's, there's some uh, Gen X, uh, potential Gen X leadership. Uh, ah, yeah. so, there you now, go. But yeah. besides that, it, it is clearly, I think, between the not putting childish things away, just numbers wise, being a significantly smaller generation. Um, you know, millennials are no longer young, as, as many millennials have fun pointing out on social oh, yeah. media. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it is, you know, a real, real generation defining thing that's they're only 10 or 15 years younger than us. 
Um, so it is. it makes sense that some of the reins of power are, are passing over us. How do you feel about it, Ken? Well, for, for, I have a friend for years, I uh, used to do podcasts with him and he used to make the dumb, oh, these dumb millennial jokes. And I had to point out that he himself, five years younger than me, was a millennial <laughs> and he had, he was not aware <laughs> that was the dividing line. Um, yeah, uh, we are, we are. No, you're, you're saying some truths and it's like um, some of it was myself, some of it's my decisions and, and what I didn't, risks I didn't take in life. And that's different conversations and different podcasts. But like the 2008 financial crisis did not touch me. Because mm-hmm. I was so broke and unaware of that's what adult adult would would do. I remember like the day I walked up to, to the office at the the, the management office at, at the malls working at, and everyone was like tears and depressed, and I was like, "Hey guys, do anyone want coffee?" And they're just like, "Are you not seeing like I lost all my stocks today, my retirement?" I was like, "What's that?" Right, <laughs> like, like exactly. because it's like I, I just never felt. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm chasing comedy dreams. What do you t- I make $11 an hour. What are you talking about? So it's weird. And, and, and so again, some of that's on us, but yeah, I feel what you're saying, Jen. I, I, I really feel it as, especially as I'm, I'm ramping up to do some more personal stuff on, on my YouTube channel. And it's like, I can do it all day, but I can't get eyes on it because I don't, it's not that I don't know how to social media. I just don't, I don't have the desire as much. Like I, I, mm. I, I admire people that are, cause I don't think it is vapid and, and silliness, but like Mm-mm. if you're on Instagram and you're like, Oh, here having an ice cream today. Like you're getting, you're getting it out there and you're doing well where I'm like once every three months, I take a picture and go, oh, that'll work on Instagram. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Cause I just don't want to, and it's not that I don't share. It's just, so I don't, I don't, I, I really have given a lot of credit to the generations and what you're talking about, Joseph, the forgotten generation, the, the way I look at it is at one point, maybe six, seven years ago, I was sitting around a Christmas uh, dinner um, with a lot of my cousins at a big family thing that we had every year at my uncle's house. And we all literally, they're all my age group or five years older, five years younger, right? We're all sitting there. We're literally around a table. One of them goes, so this is kind of all on us now, right? Like, shouldn't Mm. we start planning the family reunions? Isn't Mm. like our, our parents did that. And they were like in their thirties when they started taking (laughs) over that. And here we are not in our thirties or approaching our forties or whatever. Should And literally my, my, one of my cousins was like, shouldn't we start this? And we were all like, I guess so. Mm-hmm. All right. And we made a pact. It's on us. We haven't had one event since. <laughs> and part of the reason is, is all the, thankfully, but most of the aunts and uncles and folks and parents are alive. And I hope that's still the case, but it's like, we look to them still. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I'm looking to the younger generation of which my other, my younger cousins are, they're now in their 30, 30 31. One of them's in city government. His, wow. his girlfriend, his girlfriend, soon fiance is, is a, is a Burbank city council person. And I'm like, cool, you've got it now. <laughs> Cause I, I'm tired. Exactly. <laughs> I do feel Joseph that we have, it skipped us. I really do. I think I think there is just some some probably numbers. Uh, maybe not. That would I mean mm-hmm. we we are a smaller generation, and the baby boomers didn't retire. Um, they did. You know, mm-hmm. that, so I mean, some of that stuff is just like yeah, you can you can look up some some numbers. Um, mm-hmm. But I also do a lot of what we're talking about is generalizations because we're talking about generations. But I also do feel like I wonder how much the sort of the snark and the nihilism. <laughs> Of has affected our get up and go. Millennials, you know, we, yes. we're, I want to be really clear. We're talking about some of the traumas that our generation went through. I am, have no desire to have a trauma battle. And millennials no. and Gen no. Z have been put through hell and have had extremely 
uh, a horribly timed uh, generational uh, uh, financial crisis uh, as well. But the attitude there seems to be, let's rise up and take the reins of power. And even mm-hmm. now, we're going like, when did anybody ever hand me that reign of power? And yeah, yes, I, I yes. Think younger generations are. I'm going to snatch that reign of power from your aging mitts, as mm-hmm. opposed to where we are talking about it is, wasn't somebody supposed to just give me this when I was 25? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. You're exactly, you're exactly right. Uh, yep. Well. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, move on. Uh, this is definitely a therapy center episode. Uh, <laughs> so final, final-ish question. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of um, rough things in the 80s that we we talked about. There's also tons of, of great stuff. Um, what parts of it uh, do you miss? And what parts of it are you really miss that and wish it would come back? And what parts of it are just missing being young, which is natural and we all do? Uh, Jen, mm. what what it, what for you do you, you miss from the 80s? I miss nothing. I, <laughs> I because it was the feeling that I had. It very much Pretty in Pink. That movie, Pretty in boy, I'm really breaking every rule today. Pretty in Pink with Molly Ringwald. That's how I felt. It felt like I was in a John Hughes movie growing up in this suburban, primarily white area. It was freaking hard. It sucked. So, but I do miss the. There was a lot of weird things during that time, pop culture wise, that I I do miss. Mm-hmm. Like things were just kind of like yeah weird um i miss the 90s i miss mm. the 90s and the early 2000s mm. to me the 90s mm. uh mm. and all the things that i've been diving back into it's really when i started to feel more hope it's when i started to see myself more reflected in the in the media or the things that i was consuming in art and mm. i i like the 90s so mm. yeah but they just had some good stuff too it just was a painful time for me Mm. Yeah, no, totally, totally uh, understandable. Um, I think I think there are some things that change naturally. And Ken, you're really and Jennifer, too, really touching on it with some of the um, the influencer generation and the, mm. the way that mm-hmm. they use uh, social media. And so I think some of it is is good to be able to connect and be honest and share something to yourself. And I think there's can be a dark side where, you know, Maybe it's not actually healthy to monetize every hobby. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 you right. know? yeah, that's true uh, too. Yes. All that kind of stuff. But I think I think a thing that has just legitimately changed is. Or, uh, I was talking to a friend uh, uh, about this, um, which uh, uh, it, it was an instance where um, some uh, trained actors lost a gig to uh, some influencers, and then mm-hmm. influencers mm-hmm. did terrible job because yep. mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. trained improvisers and the conversation we had is like being an influencer is a skill and it mm-hmm. is a kind of performance and i have no need to look down on it yeah, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't translate to the way we grew up thinking about performance and entertainment and yeah. there that divide i think i'm a little uh, uh haunted by it, mm-hmm. and, and i don't want to judge influencers it's it's uh that's a skill um and it's almost like saying like well i i expect every um performer to be able to uh juggle fire and do a shakespeare monologue like no they're different Mm. kinds of performance Mm -hmm. but i think sometimes that's where i grate the most against modern society is that i miss 
performance being performance. Yeah. Uh, and it does make me feel old and I want to be able to uh, be open to change. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I'll keep off air. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just working at Screen Junkies and hiring the new viral star of the week to come in and do a live show and just having them just absolutely crap the bed live on air because they have no <laughs> abilities, no abilities to do that. But I don't do have the abilities yeah. to do what they do. Yeah, right, uh, I, right. I don't. But I, expecting times, it to be the same because it just has this umbrella yeah. of being performance. Yeah, yeah. Right. How many times I've put a cell phone up in my car and been like, "All right, let me just let me just vlog." I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. So it, 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 and I don't know which one's going to take over, but like like I, it's just you hear because I think that the older way is still in control. And 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 there there was a one of my friends went in for a job interview. And it was a game show type of thing, and and he was going to help produce it, and 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 the show failed because they had hired a a, a Twitch personality to host the show, and he mm. hosts the show the entire time, smack and gum, um, and the show, and so people canceled it. A lot of people <gasps> lost jobs, and so wow. I, 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 one of the thing that the change thing is is you know it goes both ways, except all generations, yeah. faults, mm-hmm. good, bad, worse. We all have skills. We all we all have stories. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, I think anyways, uh, yeah. clearly uh, we have some passion about that. <laughs> oh yeah, yes we do. And I really, like I said, I want to be positive about it, and that's why it helped me to look at it, uh, it as as mm-hmm. that that is a skill set, but it's an incredibly great skill set that a lot of us don't have. But expecting it to translate to other classic skill sets is you know, yes, it does. It does a generational grind there. Um, mm-hmm. There definitely is like there. I think there's great culture in every era, and I think the the part of the reason that the '80s has been so thoroughly mined is there was a, it was a lot of great culture uh, created in that era, and and I do you know just have that nostalgic pining specifically for. Oh man, the summer of '84, going to the theater and it was an event, and these movies were fresh and surprising. And uh, you know, the the year I had a both my brother and I had a terrible year at school, and 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 my parents felt so bad they bought us the NES, and then it was the summer of Mario. It was like wow. that's, a, that's a glorious memory, and I, I think it's it's fine to both recognize um, some of the negative factors around us that affected us, and, and also to just. Uh, pine a little bit for your youth because it's it's natural yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah how about you ken um do i miss watching space saga movies reading comic books and playing video games no because i do that still um <laughs> but, do i uh do i miss a lot of the youth yeah of course i do i i'm like you jen i, I miss the 90s for youthful reasons but also just a lot of what was going on and and, and music and pop culture it was pretty, it was pretty exciting time. Uh, it was at, at, the, mm-hmm. at the time, you know. Again, are there problems underneath the surface? Of course, and it's always uh, important to go back and look at it. But I actually do miss that and and uh, the weird times of the late nineties and early two thousands when I moved to LA and mm-hmm. uh, you know. Go, but I don't I don't like Limp Bizkit. But all right, I'll I'll live through this. Um, there's there's some good times around there. But uh, yeah, as far as the eighties, yeah, of course I remember the. I miss the kid stuff. Uh, I miss that, of course. Who wouldn't, um, despite all that's there? But um, I'm happy where I am. I'm trying to be happy where I am now. <laughs> I think that's uh, something that almost every generation can agree on. I'm trying to be happy where I am now. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, all right. Well, that is a look at growing up in the 80s. Uh, Ken, you want to take us home? 
I do. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us uh, through the other center era that will uh, continue in some way going forward. Uh, we can be found on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Threads as well, Four Center Pod. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are on Instagram, YouTube as well. Live stream this coming Friday, 2 p.m. Pacific. Subscribe so you don't miss over there. We're available on a lot of different spots. Just search, you'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center, patreon.com slash Four Center is where you can support us directly. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kennapsock.com for more. I'll be in New York City October uh, 12th and 13th doing comedy at the New York Comedy Club in East Village. I have a uh, December, like Christmas week, leading up to Christmas in Seattle. Information to come there and then uh, yeah, stay tuned there. And then I'm releasing some stuff, some cool things coming. I'm going to start announcing it this week and you can get information on my website on that. Uh, Jen, where can they find you and more of your investigative journalism? <laughs> my retro investigations you can find them on tiktok at jennifer landa 1138 instagram and youtube at jennifer landa where i look at the happy things from the 80s and 90s there you go uh joseph where can they find your irreverent sarcastic look at the world <laughs> just watching jennifer's videos that's all no uh <laughs> no 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 i'm joking i'm joking um yeah, so I'm uh, working away on the short films, uh, The Nightmare Adorable, a short film a ton of uh, people helped me make a reality is making its way uh, out into the world. Uh, it is having a screening in Tucson, Arizona this coming week. Yes, on Thursday, September 28th, uh, there'll be a screening. Uh, and then it is going to be at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland, Oregon, October 6th through the 8th. I don't have the exact dates on the screen of that, but I will be at the festival. I love Portland and I love that festival, so I'm excited for that. Uh, more showings coming up in Iowa and Bulgaria and hopefully nice. more soon. So if you want to go to Iowa or, or Bulgaria, please uh, go for it. Uh, I'm going to be trying to put out some new stuff uh, to be totally, totally honest. Um, I need to do some other stuff so I have enough money to keep making short films. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. submitting to festivals adds up extremely quickly. So if you want to help me with films and you've never checked out any of my uh, comedy albums, I have a bunch of comedy albums on Bandcamp. Uh, so until I put some new stuff out, you could help me out by checking out my old comedy stuff on Bandcamp. Just go there and search for Joseph Scrimshaw. Love it, love it. Well, that's it. We have taken a deep dive, and it wasn't all New York seltzers and frozen yogurt. It was <laughs> deep and important, but also fun. We'll see you next time here on Other Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.